We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. Just one more thing. Hey now. Oh boy. Holy mechanical armies. Mom always liked you best. Oh, she did. <laughs> you wanted to be one word. What is the other word? One of these days. Are we having fun yet? It's gonna be legend. Wait for it. Now, you might very well think that, but of course I couldn't possibly comment. Bertie Helens agreed. Oh, come on! Missed it by that much. Good evening. Hello and welcome to the Televerse, Sound On Sight's TV podcast. This is Kate Kulsik, and I'm joined, as ever, by Simon Howell. Simon, how's it going? Uh, oh, you know, life's a mess. What's new? Uh, we should... <laughs> We should be swift, though, because we've got a really, really, really long SDCC segment. Yes, Comic-Con is coming up, and the they've just released the schedules for all the different panels, so we will have our mega-long look at everything TV at Comic-Con, and we aren't kidding. So if you're not going, you probably want to skip, <laughs> or if you're not interested, just don't listen to the last hour of the show. But if you are interested and you are going, hopefully it'll be helpful. And um, yeah, I'll be going to Comic-Con. I will be doing, I will be covering it for the site. And I would love to, to meet up with some of you guys if you're going to be there. Um, come to the Battleship Retention and Criterion Cast and Warner Archive meetup. That'll be happening on Thursday night because that's where I'll be. Um, and also, I'm sure they'll be tweeting a plenty. So we talked about Comic-Con on Twitter quite a bit this week um, with, let's see, with Kyle, David, Ken, Ryan, Blaine, Kate, Amanda, Eric. I'm sure there were other people too. Uh, Beth wanted to know if we were going to cover Nine for Nine. She really liked Venus Versus, um, and she was a young tennis player when all the, the things that are discussed in that documentary were going down. So she, you know, that really, uh, she re- it really worked for her. And she says to watch for Last Tango in Halifax, which won the BAFTA for Best Drama and is coming to PBS this fall. So she says to definitely look out for that. Nine for Nine, I would love to be covering Nine for Nine this week, but ESPN decided I missed it last Tuesday through a fluke of the DVR and on, they've decided to re-air it once over the entire week and to not make it available online at Hulu or really anywhere. And so therefore I haven't had a chance to watch it because my DVR, I think we lost power due to like a rainstorm on, on Saturday. So I've missed my, any opportunity to watch this one. Hopefully that will be amended soon. I would also like to cover it, but similar, I have similar issues. Um, next up, let's see. Tickle Talk is Inigo Montoya, is Deborah. So thank you for, for filling me in and uh, appreciate that. We talked um, some American Baking Challenge and Cake versus Shoe Knowledge Gaps. We'll talk about that a little later in the show. We talked with, uh, vented some spleen with, with David Bax this week, which was a lot of fun. Um, let's move on from that. Let's see. Uh, Twitter's votes for the best comedy episode of 2013. Um, from New Girl, Quick Hardening Cock, Virgins, or The Wedding Episode with the Badger. The OT from Bob's Burgers got several votes. Venture Libre got a vote or two. One Man's Trash from Girls and also Enlightens the Ghost is Seen. I just keep hearing wonderful things about Enlightened. I feel like I'm going to have to catch up with that before the end of the year. Really want to love Enlightened, but both seasons I tried watching a few episodes, uh, like the first few, and it just never clicks for me. As much as I, I, you know, I like mm-hmm. just about everyone involved, I think Laura Dern is amazing, but I don't know. Just it, I don't get that deeper connection that some people seem to get with it. Interesting. I'll have to 
I'll have to check that out and see see where I fall. Just because it's one of those ones I don't want. You know, ever since Spartacus, I, I am less likely to overlook a show that you know a few critics that I trust are really championing because I, I I'm so glad that I caught up with Spartacus. I don't want to have another similar you know uh, show that I that I miss out on for so long. But I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Um, let's see. Also, it was my birthday over the weekend, and I received many very warm wishes from from listeners. And thank you guys very much for that. It it was it was wonderful to every now you know just every now and again my phone would beep and it would be a happy birthday, and that was really cool. So thanks. Oh, Beth specifically wished me a a coming year full of Bear McCree background music. So I was like, oh, Beth, you know me. That's awesome. So let's see. You, you talked the sun versus the body on Twitter this week. Uh, yes, that would be Friday Night Lights versus Buffy for most most emotionally damaging episode. I still think Friday Night Lights wins, um, which apparently may, makes me wrong because I voted for the thing that wasn't a Whedon thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, sorry. I, I just rewatched that and, and a whole bunch of more Friday Night Lights over the weekend. And yeah, sorry, kids. There's no contest. <laughs> Let's see. Jurassic Bark and Luck of the Fryish came up also parented with Eric and Keith. So uh, that 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 was fun to 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 watch unfold yes, as it were. Fun. Fun is the operative word. Just <laughs> and not crying. Crying and crying and crying. Um Mario thinks we should check out The Fosters, which is the first series since Bunheads that he's actually enjoyed on ABC Family or really thought uh, was very interesting and we you know worthy of recommendation. So I'll I'll definitely put that on one of our Make Kate Watch polls coming up here. Also I'll be, I'll be twice as interested if it's a series about Sutton Foster and her brother. <laughs> that would be cool. I would totally watch that. Um then we have Suits uh, which he is very much looking forward to and I'm I'm sure that'll win the poll the week that it comes back. And then finally Under the Dumb. Uh we're going to talk about that a little later. Under the Dome with Ricky Lust, Simon, Randy and Depayan. More on that at the end of the show. I wanted to mention we got a few iTunes reviews, and uh, a couple oh. of them were were from a while ago. The Incredible Suit left us a five star review in the UK iTunes, which I did not realize that he had done or she had done, and that was from May. So they particularly enjoyed the Game of Thrones cast, and they say that we're their favorite TV podcast and the most entertaining TV podcast on the web. So. Woo. That is, Woo. thank you. That is awesome. That's incorrect, but it's fantastic that you think so. <laughs> um, the Canadian iTunes had a five-star review from CJ Rumsey, unless there's supposed to be a different way that I say that. Uh, and they found the podcast due to the guests, and they find us honest and reliable. So, cool. Yay. Well, one of those things is true. Um, and Mr. Loiter gave us a five-star review in the U.S. store. Um, and again, he uh, also ran into the podcast thanks to Mo Ryan coming on, so different guests that we've had, and says that we are a good team, and he, he likes the podcast. So thank you very much, all three of you guys. It's it's uh, like I've, I've, I think I'm, do I'm doing very well of not letting negative criticism, you know, become a thing that I obsess over, but it's sad how, how much power the listeners have to make me go, oh, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> so it's very much appreciated. And as we always say, it does help other people find the show, the more reviews and ratings and even just shares of the podcast so, that we have. You know, so if you like what we're doing and you think other people should listen, that is something that you could do to support the show. Yay. Which would be very much appreciated. 
Over at Sound On Site, uh, as I said earlier, we'll be doing. I will be covering Comic Con for the site. We are still finishing up Pilot Month. I believe there should be a few more coming up in the next week, and then that's going to be. We, we kind of gave a little overflow time for some of the the final reviews to trickle in. You have a Deadwood pilot review that is not done yet, sir. It'll be done <laughs> in the next week. It'll be. It'll. It'll be. It'll be done. It'll happen. It'll happen. <laughs> Anything else at Sound On Site we should mention? Uh, no, uh, I'm going to mention one last time that I finally did my pop music piece that's in there somewhere. It's called Second Language. Look it up. Maybe you'll like it. Maybe you won't. Can't I think you'll it. like it. It's very good. Well, there you go. And uh, yeah, I don't know what else I'm getting up to, but I will probably be getting up to some more stuff as well. I'll I'll be... Uh, Breaking Bad doesn't start for a while, yes? That's in August, yes. Oh, uh, yes. Well, I'll be reviewing that when that starts, but I guess till, until then I'm not doing any weekly reviews. Although, I will be, I'm not going to be doing newsroom reviews weekly, but I've decided I am going to post a comment every week with my thoughts on the episode. Where uh, are you going be, to do that? On the, on the, ep- because uh, we, we will have someone doing episode reviews, oh, okay. I think. So I'll yeah. be posting a comment every week with my additional thoughts. <laughs> that should be fun. Um, yes. Yes. I think it's a nice happy medium because I was thinking of covering it mm-hmm. uh, just just to be a dick. But then I decided, no, I'll let someone who actually likes the show cover it <laughs> and then be a dick in the comments. Uh, there are many new shows starting up this this coming week. Unfortunately, most of them I do not have access to screeners for. So let's see. Drunk History starts up this week. The Bridge starts up. Uh, Orange is the New Black. You know, the Newsroom Season 2 is coming back. The one that I did have access to, though, is Camp. I watched the pilot for that. That'll be starting up on Wednesday. Just figured I'd mention here. Uh, I'm not going to write it up. The The pilot is... it's. It's fine. It's it's not a bad show, at least from what I, we can tell from the pilot. But more than anything, it just made me want to watch Wet Hot American Summer. <laughs> so if that was its goal, it uh, which it probably wasn't, it succeeded. It just felt very much like Wet Hot American Summer, but dialed down to like 8. From 11 to 8. Uh, maybe even 7. So it's just sort of a, a less zany and fun you know, if you if you de heightened Wet Hot American Summer, that's what very much what it feels like. And uh, I'm sure there will be people, especially I don't have that camp or family camp experience in the same way. So I'm sure for some people it'll have it'll strike a little closer to home and might be more resonant. I think the performances are fine for the most part, but it's not something that really made me because ha- I could have watched the first three or four episodes, but only really felt compelled to watch the pilot. So so that's where I'm at with camp. Um, as ever, your model may vary, but I've, I figured I'd mention, you know, diverting. There's nothing else really on Wednesday besides the bridge, which, uh, you know, is, is slightly more dramatic than, than camp, a family affair like that. But, um, anyways, not bad. Check it out if you have an affinity for camp related, you know, drama and comedy, I would say. But with that, let's get into our week in TV and we will kick things off with the comedies. Do you know what you're looking at here? Uh, no. This is Dealey Plaza, where JFK was shot, 1963. Exact oh, replica. Wow. Yeah. Grassy Knoll, book depository. With this model, I was able to prove that not only did Oswald not act alone, but I proved how they were able to cover their tracks with all the evidence they left behind. The Grassy Knoll in the book depository. They moved it in the middle of the night, cut it into pieces, took it all down, moved it to Area 51. They moved the Grassy Knoll? Oh, yeah. To Area 51, sitting there right now. Our friends have seen it. Too much evidence in there. They couldn't let it sit. Is that the moon? That's the moon, all right. Where the supposed 
lunar landing took place in 1969. The supposed lunar landing. Do you really think we had the technology in 1969 to get men on the moon and bring them home? Kinda. 238,000 miles average. 221 at perigee, 252 at apogee. I do. A moving target. You think they landed on the moon? Yeah. No, they were orbiting around the Earth while they did this all on a sound stage. Where? Area 51. Oh, behind the grassy knoll, probably. This week in comedy, we have the Inside Amy Schumer finale, Sex Tips, the Gravity Falls finale, Dreamscaperers, the Family Tree finale, Cowboys, and Venture Brothers, Mama's Boys. Shall we go through in order? Sure. Sure. Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer. Uh, kind of a weird episode, especially the way that she decides to end the series, the season with somebody else's stand up, which was, uh, I, I feel like the way that she's incorporated other, uh, other female comics has been admirable, but a little bit jarring. Like, uh, for, like for instance, the Tignataro appearances and the, you know, the performer she has take over at, in, in the last few minutes, uh, you know, it's, some of it was funny. Some of it was a bit much. I'm not really sure it translated that way. It, it seemed like something more appropriate for, comedy tour or a live show than an actual tv show mm-hmm. uh, and i think that the episode kind of sums up everything that's good and and not so good about the show and they could really use rejigging for next season yeah the, the thing for me with inside amy schumer is that as with that like we always say with any sketch show it's going to be somewhat hit and miss that's just the nature of the beast but almost invariably the the sketches that worked or the interview segments or the man on the street segments or women on the street segments that worked for me were the ones that hewed more closely to this examination of women's issues and representation in media and in our society things that were more focused in on that tended to work for me much better than things that were less you know that were further from that that issue then then it just sort of felt like another sketch show that didn't have that point of view i always enjoy when these shows have a point of view and uh, a perspective that is different from everything else we usually see so so like this the closing number i was i'm sure some people found that entertaining or funny i didn't find it offensive or anything like that i was just like is this it yes this is it yeah, it just kind of keeps it's going. It's just going to be going. more of, oh man, I'm glad I'm not in that room, basically. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure, you know, obviously that's, you know, this is this is uh, something that that she wanted to very clearly end end the show on for the season, but it it felt very odd to have that be the capping final grace note of of your premiere season of, of a show called Inside Amy Schumer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think. Honestly, I, I do think with a little bit of uh, additional focus and some, a little bit of creative rejigging next season, I think it could be one of the best comedies around. It's just I, I think it just needs a little bit of work. Yeah, I would definitely agree. There's a there's a hell of a lot of potential. I watched every episode. I was glad to watch every episode. I was, excited. I was always like, oh, sweet. Next Inside Amy Schumer. Didn't always have that same enthusiasm at the end, but by the next week I was ready for the next one, too. So we'll see. Fingers crossed for a more focused second season, like you said. Gravity Falls. Now, you check you check this one out. I did. Uh, this was the Dream Escaperers, uh, which I think the things that, that really struck me about the show is first of all, it is very funny, and second of all, it is very beautiful to look at. I think my asterisk caveat with a show like this is that it is, and I didn't realize this until I saw the the intro. It is a Disney series, uh, and it does have sort of a family values slash heartwarming tint to it that really that really comes out in the last few minutes of this, of this episode and i assume the last few minutes of most episodes 
And that kind of means it can only ever be so close to my heart. Whereas a show like Adventure Time is ostensibly for kids, but it isn't afraid to go uh, excessively dark or strange whenever it feels like and doesn't feel the need to stamp a, a, ver a clear moral on things, which is one of the things I, I really like about it. So I, I did have a really good time with it. And, and Kristen Schaal, man, she's amazing. <laughs> uh, that, that, that lady can do anything. But... Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it'll if it'll ever be like a personal close to my heart favorite for that reason. Well, I was watching it and I, I, we we started recording for something else, at, and I had to so I paused about like a minute and a half in. And I was like, "Wait a second! I've already left twice in this first minute and a half. And when is the last time that happened with a live action show for me? Mm -hmm. It's been quite a while. So I, I do. I mean, I don't mind the heartwarming. Who'd have thunk? Between the two of us, that uh, the heartwarming family message would really be more something I would enjoy than you. Huh. Yeah, who 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 knew? Who knew? But uh, that so I was fine with that. I mean, obviously, you can see exactly where that's going with Dipper throughout the entire episode. But it still, you know, was entertaining enough for me that I that didn't, you know, wasn't glaring to me. It's it's a Disney show, and you know that going in, or at least I knew that going in. Apparently, you didn't. Um, but yeah, there's enough laughs and it's fun and it's there's whimsy and it I think they, they do a good job of capturing youth in in a nice way. Like the kids feel like kids to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So I I'm you know, I, I look forward to catching up with, with Gravity Falls. I wish people had pestered me to watch it earlier though, before the last two episodes of the season. So I'm, I might have to go back and and catch up with the previous episodes. But yes. uh, And there's a shock cliffhanger tonight, which was There a, is. Which was a a trend <laughs> let's uh let's move on to the next one the family tree finale cowboys this one is it a cliffhanger i said it was saying it was cliffhanger you were saying didn't yeah, really feel like really. one yeah I, I mean i i said that but really it's not a cliffhanger i mean it is a cliffhanger in the sense of we don't know whether the show's coming back or not the ratings aren't good mm -hmm. uh, at all so it i wouldn't be surprised if it didn't come back but i it is interesting to see just how much the finale hones in on Simons and O'Dowd as a couple and really just turns it into a straight-up romantic comedy, which I'm sure suited you just fine. <laughs> um, I think it would be a shame for the show to end now, if only because it feels like they've got... I mean, they've clearly got a lot more to do with the whole actual family genealogy plot, mm. which never got resolved. Um, I don't know whether the show's going to come back or not. My inkling is no, just because it feels like... You know, I, I think about it, a show that got, I assume, similar numbers like Enlightened and HBO did bring it back for a second season, but did also just cancel it. So eh, I don't, I'm not feeling great about its chances, but the I still feel like it, it the show's balance of sort of wackiness and heart. I don't think it was ever quite perfectly aligned. And uh, I, I frankly, I was really hoping they would have just never found Monkey. Well, I you know, actually, that that sequence really worked for me. Um it was a little too, I think for me, I would appreciate if they had played a little less for comedy, especially for, for her mm -hmm. and, and really gotten serious for, for a minute. I think there's a fascinating show about that character that is not really a comedy, um, that it would be, that it would, I would enjoy a second season of Family Tree just if they explored more of that. But if, if if anything else, I am grateful to Family Tree for having introduced me to Amy Simons, who I was not aware of before this, and who, you are right, is freaking adorable 
in this. And just the two of them together, her and Chris O'Dowd, are wonderful. And it was nice to see sort of some of the themes from earlier in the season come full circle here at the end where you have the all the dis, this discussion of why would you leave and go to another country just for a relationship or something like that. And then we have, you know, our, our lead in that situation at, at the end of the episode. So, you know, I thought it was fun when we have the conspiracy uh, craziness just come out of nowhere that, well, really be crystallized for us for the first time. Yeah. That that sequence worked for me. And um, like I said, I think there's an interesting show about Monk that is a little, a, more. A little but, but... less comedic. Yeah, I agree, which is why I think that scene with the Skype call a few episodes ago worked because it was mm-hmm. played more or less straight. Uh, the and You say Simon is, is adorable, but then again, you watch her on The Killing where she's, you know, the world's worst mom mm-hmm. uh, doing totally different work. You see her in Upstream Color, which you really need to watch at some point in the near future. Uh, uh, again, just doing totally, totally different work. And she she can she is a, a highly versatile actress. And I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that she's uh, she's getting work left and right. Uh, so yeah, I enjoyed the series. Uh, I'm I kind of mildly hope it comes back, uh, just so it can fulfill some of its plot promises. Uh, but I'm not, you know, I, I'm not like hanging, like uh, it's not like a. I'm I'm not living in terror that it won't return. Yeah, on the list of shows, if this doesn't get a second season, on the list of shows this year that have aired that are not coming back, it wouldn't even be my third probably that I'll miss the most. I'm I'm gonna miss Ben and Kate way more than this. Yeah, I agree. For example. Um, so, I, you know, I watched it all, enjoyed most of it, but I don't feel like it needs to come back. It was one of probably the most innocuous show I've watched all year. Yeah, especially that I've stuck with. And and I mean that in both a good and a bad way. Yeah. Let's move on to our final comedy, a little bit less innocuous, Venture Brothers Mama's Boys. This one, the internet overhyped me for it. I was expecting my brain to explode with awesome and it was I, my brain. My skull is intact. My cranium is intact. Just my mind is blown. Well, I again, this is another weird one uh, for for you as a as a non previous Venture Brothers watcher. Uh, we had the return of Myra, who was actually only in one previous episode, but it was like three seasons ago. <laughs> so I'm I'm really surprised at how far back the callbacks uh, this this season are going. Uh, and I'm also surprised at how much uh, plot motion they're doing per episode. I mean, by the end of this one, Dermot knows that. Uh, that Doc is his dad, which was a nice moment there at the end, uh, which they're, they're just moving. Uh, they know, I mean, it's a short season, so maybe that's why it's happening, but the, things are just moving along in a really nice clip, which is great. Uh, I like that they're doing things with Doc other than just having him be an asshole, which was a huge, for the last couple seasons, it was more or less all he got to do, except for maybe an, an episode like The Doctor is Sin. Um, the, but for me, the clear highlight of the episode was the heist sequence, mm. uh, and their, um, uh, Hank and Helper and Dermot's respective, uh, new personas for, for getting into the, the, um, the, 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 uh, hospital for the criminally insane, I thought was just genius. And, uh, I don't know. I just, a lot of things to like about the episode. And, uh, I, I especially liked the, uh, the way everything sort of dovetailed at the end, which was maybe a little convenient, but still, uh, nice to see. Yeah, I'll allow it. Uh, did you have a Teddy Ruxpin growing up? I had a Teddy Ruxpin growing up. I did not. <laughs> I enjoyed that plot line. It was ridiculous. And, you know, the the doc is self-centered enough that I totally believe it. Uh, so that that was a lot of fun. I, I Of course, I enjoyed, I can't remember the character name, appearing out of nowhere. 
Oh, uh, yes, D- uh, Dr. Orpheus. Dr. Who, Orpheus, um, yeah. Who used to be like a principal character, and, and this is the first time we've seen him all season. He's he's uh, such a great character. And it's funny that there's like three voice actors on the whole show, and yet whenever they bring a character back who we, we haven't seen for a while, I'm always like, oh, they managed to get Dr. Orpheus. Like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> like, that's how much I buy into the to the universe of the show. Yeah, definitely. No, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this, this, uh, this episode, and... Um... I guess I might still give comedy of the week to Gravity Falls because just based on the the I mean I did really enjoy the finale and just based on the overhyping that I I wasn't actually kidding about that I it, it did suffer somewhat from oh my god guys it's the best episode ever and it's just another really good episode they've been so consistent I mean Venture Brothers is making a hard play for inclusion at the top ten at the end of the year list yeah well and th- they tend to end seasons well uh, mm-hmm. and and crazily so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing I guess my my only criticism of the season really is that I don't really know where anything's going like it doesn't seem to have a strict direction unless they want to commit to uh, the accountants as a big bad so i i would i would like to see them make a little bit uh, a couple of overtures in that direction but uh if if they can have if they can wrap the season up in a way in accordance with with some other great things they've done in, in previous seasons i think it'll be fantastic yeah there's only i think two episodes left in the season. So we're soon to be out of comedies that we're, that we're covering. We'll need to come up with some new ones, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been really good. I assume Venture Brothers wins the week. Uh, for me, yes. Uh, the, the Jesselnik offensive starts the same night as drunk history, which I'll be curious to get your thoughts on. (laughs) Okay. We'll have to pencil that in for, for later. Um, for now we're going to take a break and listen to some music and come back and talk mostly reality with a little genre thrown in there as well. Christina. Yes. Oh, Velvet Underground and Nico. And it's for the old people. Old reference. Um, I, I think you're just really such a beautiful dancer. I love it. And you're so joyful. Did, did you change it at the beginning from an attitude turn to pirouettes from dress till now? Yeah. Good. Good choice. Um, and, well noticed. And, so now I can talk about Blueprint. I, I think you're I think you're wonderful. I don't think you're a robot. I think you're a dancer. But I'm going to give you a little bit of advice. If you are to ever get Broadway again, all right, Broadway is the one dance genre that you can do on this show where you can be as goofy and Mm -hmm. have as much abandon and as much joy and celebration. And Nigel can't say to you, you're pulling face. Because really what Broadway is, you're trying to tell your story to that that back row and so if you ever get this again just try to let all that stuff go forget about chinees and forget about pirouettes at that point tell you tell us a story so that's my only advice to you okay this week in reality we have so you think you can dance the american baking competition and of course american ninja warriors started back up and then we will also talk under the dome manhunt i guess i'm assuming you didn't watch any ninja warrior i did not Okay. So uh, I'll just... nor, nor, nor was I able to catch American Baking Challenge. Sorry, America. <laughs> the first episodes of American Ninja Warrior started up this week. I always enjoy Ninja Warrior. And the first, the first season of American Ninja Warrior was bullshit as far as I'm concerned because it used a different, easier course. And uh, I'm glad that they have, re- you know, restored Mount Midoriyama for the past, you know, few iterations of the show. The... The... I don't know that I need them to change up the course as much as they have from 
previous years to this year. I, I feel like the the path or the the method that the actual Ninja Warrior people have done of change updating it whenever somebody wins or gets close to winning seems like a good way to do it because you know no one's no Americans ever completed you know, become Ninja Warrior. No, no Americans ever completed the course. So I don't know that you need to make it harder if nobody can do it already. Um, but still, I enjoy it, though. It is a little repetitive. Um, they don't need to have any... I don't care about these people. You don't need to show me a, you know, profile of them. You're, that's not going to make me care about them, especially because most of them are going to fall into the water about a minute and a half into their run. So uh, for that reason, this is certainly a watch on fast forward show, but uh, I do still enjoy it every now and again. I figured I would mention it here. This week, the Make Kate Watch Stuff poll went to the American Baking Competition. And uh, so I caught the most recent episode and then promptly went back and watched the other ones that were available on demand. I enjoyed it very much. The The baking force is strong in my family. We we have the, the gene, as it were. Uh, I, I do not have the baking gene, unfortunately, where, whereas my sister... The first time she ever made pie, she made the crust perfectly, whereas I tend to overwork and mangle the pastries that I do. But because of this this strong thread of baking in my family, I particularly enjoy this this uh, setup and format for the show. I, I really like having the technical challenge where everybody has to make the same recipe. I think that that separates the men from the boys, as it were, and uh, has been a fun thing, a fun addition to it. The the, the one thing that stood out to me the most, um, I find it really, and this is what I was talking about with uh, with Inigo Montoya or Deborah earlier this week. I find it really interesting which gaps these bakers have, because when I think for Cake Week there were like eight people left, and at least five of them had never made a chiffon cake. Does that mean anything to you, Simon? Uh, no. Yeah, they didn't, yeah, it, it's like an angel food cake, kind of. It's the same baking process. Uh, more than half of the people oiled the pan. You can't do that with a chiffon cake because it won't rise. And I just found it really interesting that most of the people there had no idea how to how to make a chiffon, but they knew how to make, you know, these elaborate braided breads, and they knew how to make cream puffs and French pastry, but they never made a chiffon. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, I, that was fun because my sister and I got to feel very superior for a few minutes there. Cause of course we've been making chiffon cakes since we were little, but, uh, of course, then as soon as they get to these other things, I'd be like, Napoleon, you say I'm screwed. <laughs> so, you know, I think that they have a good mix of, of the kind of, you know, the kind of bakers that they have for the most part, and also the types of challenges that they require. So I, I look forward to watching the finale. I think some of their casting needs tweaking. If the show comes back, I think there's a lot of promise in this, in this format, but they need better, more consistent bakers overall. There are a few people earlier on who I don't even understand why they were on the show. Every, almost every challenge, they at least were disappointing, if not just bad. So um, I, I do think there's a very good show in there, even if uh, maybe they don't have, 100% the best cast in their first season, but I've enjoyed it. If Because you, you like cooking, right? I do. So it might be a fun one for you to check out. Do you have any interest in baking? Uh, not really. That's, okay. that's my... Maybe not. <laughs> that's, that's my Achilles heel. Fair enough. Well, and baking is really, really tough. It's one, there's a lot of sitting and waiting. And because once you've made it, if you forgot something, you screwed something up, once, by the time it's in the oven, you're dead. There's nothing, you can't fix it. You have to start over. So... 
you know, it's, it's an interesting format. It's an interesting way to go with it. Whereas cooking, you can kind of salvage at the last minute. Not to mention for baking, you kind of need to live in a house that has a good oven. And I've, <laughs> I've been going from apartment to apartment for the last eight years. And generally, I don't have that. Yeah, we used to have a wonderful oven at, uh, when I was growing up that if you set it to 250, it would actually do 300. If you set it to 225, it would do like 250 or maybe even 200 lower. Like there was very specific, if you tried to actually cook a pizza at 400, it was not going, it would be like 375 or, you know, there, there are very specific things like hot spots in the oven, you know. So baking was certainly a challenge. You know, you'd, you'd have to turn the cookies several times within the eight minutes that, they, you know. So, yeah, having a good oven makes a huge difference. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, it was still fun. But you did watch So You Think You Can Dance, though, yes? I did. Um, this was perhaps the ass-grabbiest episode in So You Think You Can Dance history. Uh, but before that, I can you remind me how the elimination process worked before? Did they have two separate episodes where they did elimination and... And and just dancing before, or what? What? How, what did they change this season? Well, originally they did the you know pretty standard competition episode, results episode, two separate episodes, and so then they would get the results you know at the top of the show, and then each of the people would dance for their life, right? And then the, then they would be it would be resolved by the end of the episode. It was usually a one hour show. I think they might've even considered putting it into a half hour. Um, but that's, that's what they used to do. Then ratings declined to a point where Fox didn't want to do that. So they had to incorporate the results into the main show. And that was last season was the first time that happened. And so what they did last season was that they did the results for week one at the end of week two. So you would dance, you would not know you know, if you were safe or not, but you would just dance. And then at the end of the show, they would have the results. And then if people needed to dance for their life, they would do that then. And then they would make the decision. Okay. So when people were dancing and not knowing if they were eliminated, could people already be voting for them? No, because they were dancing and not knowing if they had been eliminated the previous week, basically. So basically, I... it was the same as this week, except that instead of finding out at the beginning, they found out at the end. After they had danced the second time. Okay. So, uh, in any case, I found it confusing this week. Yeah, um, it's somewhat depressing to start your show off with, you're leaving after you dance for us more, puppet. Yeah, that, that they should reconsider that. Yeah, it's it's tricky. I think they should just, I mean, frankly, I really like the show. I think the show is great. It's probably the show I'm most enjoying most consistently. Certainly, that isn't a comedy right now. So I would be all for having a separate, at least half hour, maybe maybe hour long results show. Would that work for you? Uh, that would be preferable. I don't think you need more than a half hour. for. Th Can't they do it Adult Swim style and get it done in 15 minutes? <laughs> they could. Yeah, they could. I just like I just like more dancing. Um, so I agree. I mean, that's been almost universal. It, the uh, pretty much every you know recap or review I read of this episode said this does not work. Fix it. Fix it. It's broken, Nigel. Um, aside from that, how did the episode work for you? I thought it was good. There was a lot of good dancing. The uh, like I said, a lot of ass grabbing. Uh, my mental competition of which of the dancers is most likely to be stooping each other got very complicated this week. Um, uh, although, yeah, lots lots of candidates in there. The although I think the actual best routines, I I continue to really like Mariah and her and her attitude and her and her whack a flock of flame, which deserves points. 
Um, and I thought actually that she got the most intimate routine out of everyone, which was uh, actually authentically so and not in the uh, pushing the envelope sense. I also really enjoyed the ratchet number mm-hmm. uh, with the with the bellhop outfits. That was just too much fun. Yeah, I thought the there was there were several good numbers. I thought it was more consistent last week. Actually, I thought last almost every dance worked really well for me last week. This week it was more hit and miss. Um, but the the yeah the the one. The main one that I thought was misguided or didn't really come together for me was actually one that I saw other people praising, and that was the the veteran returning from war. I agree, yeah. That because one didn't work for me. I'm sorry, you don't come back from war wearing a flowy nightgown. You don't come back from war looking the same as when you left. It was just felt incredibly dishonest. If someone's just come back from war... They're not, you know, they're wearing a uniform. They're wearing something hard. They've been changed by that experience. So to try to ask me to buy into what was essentially a pretty similar number to what they had done the first time was really didn't work. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, other than that, oh, I also agreed that the, the choreographer, I like that Nigel called out the choreographer on the Chacha. I think that they don't call out the choreographers frequently enough. And some of them, particularly, I think the Broadway numbers tend to slide and not be challenging enough. That tap number from a few weeks ago, also not good enough as far as I'm concerned, choreography wise. And so I like that he called out the person for not making the Chacha be Chacha E enough. That was interesting though. The performers I think are very good there. Again, I think all, most of these dancers are very good. I, as soon as we praise them for their awesome opening number, they're back to a forgettable opening number. Oh, that was awful. Yeah, it was just uh, that was practically unwatchable. Jesus. Uh, yeah. So I ho- hopefully they'll be- they'll be back doing something good next week because that was not good. I was glad they gave Sonya a break this week because mm-hmm. uh, she was working overdrive the previous week. They need uh, some more new choreographers. Yes, no, they, they, they have not had the Bunheads choreographer do anything. Why not? Yeah, they, they, they should bring her. It's not like she's busy. I mean, she has a clear demo reel. <laughs> Look at all yeah. the other things she's done for television. She, clearly, she would do very well. Yep. Uh, the last thing we have to mention, Christine Applegate, kicked, she's killed it. She's amazing. She even dropped a Velvet Underground and Nico reference, which, that's a girl after my own heart. Uh, but yeah, she was fantastic. She was uh, so insightful and uh, and just pointing out very specific things. I. I think one of the, I mean, I, I, I complain about this sometimes. I would like to see more uh, cutaways to more specific elements of the dance, but I know that's hard to do with a live show because you've got mm-hmm. to slap that together really, really quickly while judges are talking, and it's not necessarily that easy to do on the fly. Uh, but if, the, if they could do that a little bit more when specific moves are discussed, that would be great. Uh, I, that may not be possible, but whatever. Yeah, the, the thing for me with Christina Applegate is, uh, first of all, she clearly knows what she's talking about. For those who don't know, she was on Broadway as Sweet Charity in Sweet Charity, which, as I understand it, means you don't leave the stage for 90 minutes and you're singing and dancing the whole time. I believe that was a Gwen Vernon role originally. You would know her as the original, uh, one of the original leads in Chicago. Uh, so it's a really tough, really demanding role. And uh, so Christine Applegate knows her stuff. Also, she was on she was on television when she was their ages basically doing married with children shows. She also is familiar with some of that element of it being young and, and, and uh, dealing with the, the filming and production side of things as well. So that gives her extra insight into it, but she's funny. She's personable. She knows what she's talking about and she keeps it specific and without excluding the audience. Absolutely. And that's why when Wayne Brady's going, but no, really you're great. 
for everybody last week. That's I'm like, ah, you're useless. You're useless. <laughs> but it's not even just, you know, a specific guest judge here or there. Every judge on every or coach or whatever you want to call it on every reality singing or dancing competition should do that because that is what is useful and helpful to the audience. That is what is useful and helpful to the dancers. You notice even the people that she really liked, she gave some sort of a critical feedback so that to help them get better next week. Mm -hmm. And I mean, what's your, what's your job if you're not doing that? So I don't know that I need her to be on every week. I think it helps to have her come in and do a shot of the arm shot in the arm for the show. Um, I mean, I would love to have her be a regular judge. I think she'd be fantastic. But I also understand the the show wanting to, like, sort of meet her out over a few appearances over the season. But they need more people like her because she's fabulous. Definitely. Um, that wraps up our week in reality and takes us to a genre, I guess let's call it. We weren't sure quite where to put this. Under the Dome Manhunt. We liked the pilot. We were critical last week. And then this this week was kind of going to decide for me whether I was going to stay for the season or or head out. And I'm thank you under the dome for making that decision so easy. <laughs> Shall That's we do right. it? Well, let's do it. Spotlight of shame. Ah, uh, yes. So, Manhunt. Uh, I cannot recall the last time a show went from being promising and even kind of good to being just total dreck faster than under the... It only took two episodes. And it's not... It doesn't feel like a fluke. You know, like, second episodes are hard. You know, the the production schedule's changed. Uh, There are all sorts of uh, differences from the pilot. There's a laundry list of reasons second episodes are the hardest thing ever. But there are problems with this episode that just signal that things aren't going to get better anytime soon. Uh, from the acting to the writing to the plotting, just everything is a mess or just insulting. I mean, let's start with the fact that the entire episode is premised around the idea that, uh, you know, the sympathetic uh, lady cop, I forget her name, uh, Julia, is it? No, um, Julia's the reporter. Julia's the reporter. Um, uh, anyway, the cop who who we're meant to like is the worst cop ever. Just... The entire episode is premised around the idea that she's just a moron. And no mm-hmm. one ever calls her on it, by the way. Uh, so immediately, just just the premise of the episode, un- it, it, it just it undercuts several characters. And therefore, it, it's, it's, a, it's a terrible premise for well, an episode this early. And also just that the guy is, is, is crazy. Lost his marbles, gone off the reservation, and uh, is no just like the dome went down, and he went. The dome's gonna kill us all. It's like you realize you're the only one acting like a jackass, right? If you weren't acting like a crazy person right now, we would not be in danger. You are the reason that this is all happening. Yeah, well, and 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 they they make a point of the fact that he has military training, and yet in the previous episode, he's just like haphazardly firing off his pistol. It's like, yeah. whatever, bam, bam, oh, I killed my partner. I was like, really? Like, a guy who was in the military wouldn't have a little bit more firearms awareness? Yeah, yeah. Well, just compare Barbie, who is also a veteran, to him. I mean, you, they don't build, they don't, like, sort of seed any PTSD situation until there's, like, he was in the Marines. Go kill him. You know, like, the, the writing it was about that level this week. 
Yeah, uh, so many things wrong. I mean, let's start with the kids. Uh, let's start. Oh my let's god. Go, let's move on to the kids. Every single scene with the kids was embarrassing. Uh, it was felt like it was written by Poochie. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the the sick bro, and just the, uh do you tell me you hit that? Like every, especially, I feel really bad for the kid playing the stoner skateboard guy best friend who is just well, not kid adult. He's way too yeah old. adult, but he's like twenty three. Yeah, uh, playing 17 or whatever, because uh, every single line he gets to read is embarrassing and mortif- mortifying even. It was, I, I, felt like, I felt like an embarrassed parent just watching those scenes. I was thinking, oh, oh. It, it, and, I mean, so many ill-advised decisions, like the idea that, um, you know, oh, this, this kid's alone at home and he's got a generator, so he's going to have the party house now. It's just such a dumb, uninteresting plot line. Everything with him and the girl who actually looks age appropriate, which is good, uh, is not good, in- including, oh, I have moms, you know, like my moms. It's just what I call my, my moms. <laughs> and then, oh, no, I have two moms. Sorry, it's my terrible secret. Really? Uh, t- to, borrow, uh, t- to borrow something off the talking TV bingo card, it's 2013. <laughs> <laughs> like, really? Yeah. I know it's small town America, but still. Yeah. No, the the... the... The kids, well, there's the two sets of kids, as far as I'm concerned, and Junior is his own problem. But uh, that group of, of kids, until this, the 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 horribly acted, as far as I'm concerned, seizuring starts. Uh, until that starts, uh, the, the 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 whole sequence. Are, there are certain things. There are two specific things that happen in this episode that I feel like film and television have been trying to tell me are a thing that totally happens in real Z's yo uh, for, for for the past. <laughs> 20 years and one of them uh, will get you later and the the other one is your parents are gone let's have a wicked house party it'll be sick does that ever really actually and then the party gets out of hand and you know does that really actually ever happen did you hear about that happening when you were in high school uh maybe i mean i mostly heard about people doing cheap drugs and terrible things to themselves i don't think it was dependent on uh, you know, uh, my yeah, your parents are out of town. Let's go party. No, I yeah, I don't think it ever happened quite like that. Well, that needs to be a responsible kid who is led astray by a mostly good friend who just likes to party somewhat and wants who to happen tr- to tell a couple people who told a couple people. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm never again. I'm tired of that. I could be ha- I would be happy if it never came up again as a plot contrivance because that's all that it is. And if we if the rapiness of the junior storyline wasn't enough, we also had an additional rapiness of of the uh, the what is he is that guy supposed to also be in high school? Uh, the 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 bully, and then they had to bring in the Sherman Antitrust Act. Are you kidding me? Who wrote this? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and speaking of who wrote this, and you've already brought him up, Junior, a.k.a. the Ellis of Under the Dome. Oh, man. At least Ellis was wickedly, you know, cackly, and Ellis felt like they were aware he was supposed to be terrible. Yeah, whereas Junior, like, he's supposed to be compelling and, you know, like like a really interesting, malevolent force, and he's just a shit, and he's not interesting, and he's not, it's not a good performance. It's not well written. Dude, you're too old to try to pull off that whole hoodie look. Hoodie up, really? Slouching around like that? No, you're, no. 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 I don't believe that. Hoodie also, revoked. Also, who decided that he and Dean Norris made a good father and son combo? I don't know, because they don't. 
<laughs> they, they, they've got nothing in common physically other than they're both white. If they were going to cast somebody who was way too old in the part, couldn't they have just brought an R.J. Mitty? We just had him come along with Dean Norris yeah. from Breaking Bad because he would have been so much better in this role. Yeah, uh, I just I feel so embarrassed for Dean Norris throughout because he's trying. He's really trying. And I think he's fine. I think he's doing a pretty good job, actually. But the writing for Big Jim isn't good either. Um, the the whole the whole bringing him at, like finding out that Barbie beat up his kid and then taking him out to the woods and vaguely threatening him and all this other junk yeah. is just was there supposed to be like tension in those scenes because there, there wasn't there's none there's no tension negative tension even uh, and same with the scenes with julia and barbie which are again is there supposed to be sexual tension is there supposed to be suspicion because i just don't care that takes us to the second thing movies and television are certain this is the thing and i'm convinced it's not nobody marks all over their new shiny pretty expensive map with permanent markers rendering the map useless nobody does that okay stop first trying of all, to end with cliffhangers on that nobody in a nobody does that for anything but nobody in history has ever done it to mark where they did a very bad thing <laughs> so that yeah. they can remember like oh no no just oh where should no one ever possibly go to find that buried body of their dead husband? Certainly not here. Certainly not here, where I've written it with a red fucking Sharpie. And in case it wasn't clear enough, I've also written the coordinates in. I mean, come on. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my dad uh, watched the first few episodes of this, and then I got a call about how I, he had a, an idea for how I should we should cover this every week and i was like dad i'm already have a found a flaw because i'm not watching this every week and that was uh under the dumb just watch it under the dumb this week on under the dumb we have horrible horrible uh let, let's go underground and we're just gonna not have any backup batteries or flashlight or situation there we're gonna we're gonna maintain our you know we're gonna still be like are you okay person who's kidnapped me and is holding me hostage in his rape shelter let me let me take care of you and actually be genuinely concerned, and then immediately steal a a scissor so I can stab you later. What what does Lux feel? I like that we just call her Lux. Yeah. Um. Just yeah. No, I don't care. Like as much as I I I, I should at least feel sympathy for a person who's locked in a rape dungeon, and I just don't care. Yeah. Like, that's really that's really bad if I don't even feel sympathy for the girl in the rape dungeon. Yeah. No, it's just just bad. So. I think it's safe to say we are done with Under the Dome. Uh, yeah, I mean, if I hear it gets really hilarious, I might uh, keep watching. But honestly, the newsroom is coming in next week, so my hate-watching quota is really only one show a week. Yeah, yeah. so that uh, that wraps up our week in TV. Wh what won the rest of the week? What won the not-comedies for you? The not-comedies? Uh, well, I guess so you think you can dance. Yeah, uh, let me see. Yeah, I'll give it to say. I'll give it to Save the Kid Nance just for Christina Applegate, though I did very much enjoy the American Baking Competition. Um, yeah, just because she was so fantastic. And, of course, the kids are all really good on the show, too. So, yeah, that, that wraps up our week in TV. Now we're going to take a break, listen to some music, and come back with our in-depth, and we are not kidding, in-depth coverage of the TV programming at Comic-Con for 2013. I've done a nuclear science. I love my classes. I got it. 
back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kulzik, joined as ever by Simon Howell. And this week, we're skipping the DVD shelf, we're skipping the season spotlight, and we're previewing Comic-Con 2013, which, of course, will start next Wednesday. That means next week, Wednesday, not this Wednesday. Uh, well, that's preview night, and then it'll it'll kick in uh, in a bigger way, of course, on that Thursday. This will be just TV coverage, so if you are a mega TV person, like I am, and you want to know everything that's going down for TV-related panels at Comic-Con, this is, this is uh, what, what you need to listen to. So we'll go through day by day, and we'll, then we'll take a look at you know, what we would want to check out on, on given days. Uh, so let's kick this off. I know, uh, for those who, who are not aware, uh, Simon, what is your take on Comic-Con? What? Oh, um, it just sounds like hell to me. I mean, I just it. Why See, would I ever do but that? It's... Why? All lining up and people in costumes and enthusiasm, it's fun, and happiness, nirvana, man. Uh, it's good times. Yeah, not not for me. Everything nerdy that I like to do, I like to do alone. <laughs> well, let's get into uh, preview night, of course. In what's become a tradition at Comic-Con, the night before Comic-Con starts is called Preview Night, and in Ballroom 20, they screen four different shows. Last year, I saw the pilots to Cult, Revolution, The Following, and Arrow. There, there might have been one Lucky other one. You. I feel like there were five last year, but it's escaping uh, my memory. So this year we have Almost Human, The Originals, The Tomorrow People, and The 100. Almost Human is going to be on Fox. That's going to star Carl Urban, Michael Ely, Mika Kelly, Mackenzie Crook, Michael Irby, Lily Taylor, and that's the J.J. Abrams, J.H. Wyman show, along with other people, of course. That's about a pair of... Uh, of cops who are partners, uh, Carl Urban doesn't doesn't like the robot synthetics uh, that that are becoming a, par- a bigger part of society. And guess what? He's partnered with one that's played by Michael Ely. What? what? So that's that show. The originals is of course the spinoff of the Vampire Diaries. We've already talked about that when they aired their backdoor pilot uh, earlier this, this year. Then th- that I believe is going to. The, the the write-up for that has me less than enthused because they say something about um, never-before-seen footage, which makes me, th- you know, shouldn't the whole pilot be never-before-seen footage? So uh, I feel like maybe they're just going to re-air the backdoor pilot of that one. I don't know. We'll see. Which would be silly, but anyway. It, it really would. It really would. But uh, we have The Tomorrow People, which, of course, is a remake of a British series. That one's going to star Robbie Amell, Luke Mitchell, Peyton List, Aaron Yu. Gre- and it's by uh, Greg Berlanti and Julia Plack, Phil Clemmer, Danny Cannon. That's a CW show. And you know how you know it's a CW show? Because it's about super-powered or mutant teens who work together to defeat mysterious baddies that want to exterminate them. And they're all really pretty, right? I would assume, yes. I would assume they are all very pretty. And then the final show is The 100, which is also going to be uh, a, on The CW. That's a mid-season show. And that one stars Eliza Taylor, Paige Turco, Thomas McDowell, Marie Avgaropoulos, Bob Morley, Kelly Hu, Christopher Larkin, Isaiah Washington, and Henry Ian Cusick. That's from Elizabeth Kraft and Sarah Fain, who, of course, are writing partners that I'm familiar with from their time on Buffy, as well as Matthew Miller, Jason Rothenberg, Leslie Morgenstein, Gina Garolamo. And uh, this one is the post-apocalyptic series that's about uh, juvenile delinquents who are set to the fir- surface of the earth to find out if it's still habitable, if it's become ha- habitable 
after a certain amount of time uh, of, of everyone being in space. I, I assume the answer is yes, or else it's a really short series. Something, yeah. I, I would I would not be surprised if we have some mutated animal baddies or something at some point. But that's another one that feels like the the teens against the the parents sort of a series. But yes, any of those sound mildly interesting. Uh, I'm I'm always kind of interested in you know the J, the J.J. Abrams the connected sci-fi series, which sometimes turn out interesting and often don't. But <laughs> we'll see. It's got a good cast. I like Carl Urban. Uh, the CW series. I'm assuming one of them will turn out to be kind of okay, and the rest will turn out to be terribly mediocre because that's the CW for you. Yeah, I, I'm. I would be more interested in Almost Human uh, if it wasn't going to be on Fox. Um, I feel rather rather burned by them right now, thanks to the following. But you know, they, but they did do a really good job sticking to Fringe, so that's true. They they did, and I you know they get some rope for that. So I will I will see what I think of that one and report back after, uh, hopefully mid Comic Con, but certainly at the end we're going to do a wrap up. But let's move on to Thursday and Ballroom Twenty for the most part and the early part of the con is pretty much just television at this point. It's actually rather surprising how much the presence of films has declined in the past year, just this year as compared to last year, but even, you know, compared to previous years. There's there's a lot more TV happening and a lot a lot less film. Yeah, it's pretty much Ballroom 20 is TV and Hall H is film with a few exceptions. And then there's a few other rooms that are TV heavy as well, but let's go through these. We have in Ballroom 20 from 10 to 11 a.m. Intelligence which is a new show on, on CBS. That's going to be moderated by Deborah Birnbaum and have the cast and some of the creators of the series. And this is with the this is the Josh Holloway show about, it's, it sounds very much like Chuck. He is a high-tech intelligence operative with a supercomputer microchip brain. So he's basically like a living computer while also being a person. He's partnered with Megan Ori, who's supposed to keep him in line. And they have a strict boss, Marg Helgenberger. Because just to be clear, someone looked at Josh Holloway and thought, what this man needs is a microchip. Yeah, apparently, apparently. Next up is from 11 to 12, oh, that being 11 a.m. to noon, we have Starcrossed, which is the CW show. Basically, it's Romeo and Juliet with aliens. So Matt Lanter is an alien. Amy Teagarden is his human love interest. Um, and... This is going to be, you know, again, on the CW. That'll have some cast members, including those two, as well as executive producers. Um, 12 to 1, Beauty and the Beast. Enough said. Uh, Psych, 1 to 2. Most of the cast will be there. It's being moderated by Carrie Elwes, who, of course, is uh, plays... Uh, oh, man, what's his name? Devereaux? I want to say his name is Devereaux on Psych, the art thief. But that panel's always a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun last year. I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun this year, even if you're not really a Psych person. Then 2.15 to 3.15, we have Sherlock, Stephen Moffat, Mark Gattis, and Sue Virtue will be there. Uh, the cast will not. So just producers, but I imagine it will still be interesting. We have from 3.30 to 4.30, the X-Files 20th anniversary panel with many writers, no cast uh, confirmed at this point, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if some people showed up. But Chris Carter, Vince Gilligan, Howard Gordon, Darren Morgan... Glenn Morgan, Jim Wong, John Shiban, there's David Amand. There's a lot of, you know, x files people who I'm sure will be a lot of fun going to that panel. And it's being moderated by Michael Schneider. Next up, 445 to 545. This is still all Ballroom 20. Entertainment Weekly's Brave New Warriors. And uh, prepare for the Woo Girls because we have Matt Smith, Kit Harrington, Stephen Yun, uh, Tyler Posey, David Giantoli. 
those ones tend to be a lot of fun. There'll be a women who kick ass panel another day. And the final panel in Ballroom 20 for the day is 6 to 7 p.m. Teen Wolf, again, with the cast and the executive producer. Uh, that's going to be moderated by Entertainment Online reporter Jared Weiselman. Okay, move it over to Hall H, sir. All right. Uh, only thing I've got for Hall H that day is at 6.30, 7.30. That's Dexter with the cast and executive producer that's moderated by K-Rock's Ralph Garman. Over at the Indigo Ballroom earlier in the day at noon uh, till 1, Comedy Legends of TV Land uh, with people from Hot in Cleveland, Kirsty. The Soul Man, Happily Divorced, and The Exes, as well as a sneak peek at Kirsty. That's up your alley, uh, which, you know, it's TV land, you'll know. Uh, it's <laughs> from, from one to two, Ghost Girl. But I, I find it hilarious that they, there's going to be talent from there, but they don't say who any of them are. Whereas all these other shows, when we say there's going to be cast, we mean all of the stars of the shows will be there. Yeah. This one, they won't say who's going to come. It's just all the gaffers. I guess they, they don't know what Betty White's schedule is. No, I guess not. Uh, one to two, Ghost Girls, a behind-the-scenes paranormal experience with uh, Jack Black and others. Uh, it's a web series about two very blonde Ghostbusters, apparently. Uh, is one of them Jack Black? I don't know. I'm confused. Uh, two to three is Workaholics with the cast. Four to five is Wilfred, also with the cast as well as executive producers. Uh, that's going to be a screening as well as a Q&A, uh, which you went to last year, and yeah. it was quite it was- fun. It was very I, – I left that panel having a much greater fondness for Elijah Wood and Jason Gann uh, than I did – than I had coming in. And I liked them going into it. So, yeah, it was Excellent. definitely fun. Uh, five to six is Comic-Con Anything Goes with John and Carol Barrowman, which you – can you explain that to people? Yeah, this is going to be basically – this is John Barrowman's panel. And uh, so he's going to be talking about, I would assume, like Torchwood, Doctor Who, as well as you know, he was on Arrow this past year. So I, some of his, his various genre work would, I, would come up, I expect, as well as he's writing with his sister, Carol. And so they'll probably talk about some of that. But it's, it's mostly a personality panel. And John Berman is a hell of a showman, so you know if you enjoy him, I imagine you will have a lot of fun at this panel. He knows how to put on a show. Mm-hmm. And finally, uh, for that room, 6 to 7 p.m., Mortal Kombat Legend, which not only is a thing, it's on its second season. Go figure. Uh, the cast and producers, as well as um, Machinima Executive Vice President of Network Programming, will be there. It's going to be moderated by Matt Achety. Uh, who is the editor-in-chief of Rotten Tomatoes. And when I say the cast will be there, that includes Casper Van Dien, people. Casper (laughs) Van Dien. (laughs) Moving on, we have in room 23 ABC uh, from 4 to 5, I Can't Believe It's Over, the best and worst series finales ever. And that's going to have some interesting interesting contributors. These types of panels tend to be a lot lot of fun, and often they're a lot easier to get into because they don't have these huge stars. But they do have a panel usually of, of very knowledgeable people talking about fun topics. So this one, for example, we're going to be doing um, a monthly theme coming up at Sound on Sight on uh, series finales, like we've been doing about pilots. So this might be one for me to try to dip into. I imagine they'll get into Lost and Battlestar. Uh, right. I imagine there will be some heated debate. And so if, if that kind of stuff sounds fun, I'm sure this is a fun panel to check out. In room 24 ABC from 11.30 to 12.30, uh, we have Masters of the Web, which has a bunch of you know people who are creating original content for the web uh, with a more of a bent towards horror. And this is, they specifically say in the description that there will be swag. Uh, AMC will swag. be giving out 
free movie passes. And last year's swag was very hard to come by. Uh, pretty much just HBO for True Blood and Game of Thrones. I got, like, some plastic sunglasses that weren't too great from Psych. And, of course, my awesome fringe hat. But most places are not doing swag. So that's the ones who specifically said they were, we will tell you. If you get any Orphan Black swag, I want it. No, because I want it. <laughs> <laughs> From 6.30 to 7.30, also in Room 24 ABC, we have the Science of Science Fiction. And this was an awesome panel last year. It was one of the highlights of the con for me. Unfortunately, it's at a really conflicted time. So I, I wish I could go to this one, but I don't think I will end up there. Um, th this has a panel of, of sci-fi writers as well as PhD <laughs> scientists. So uh, talking about just what the processes of writing about, you know, the, how they, how the writers come up with the science they're going to use for their science fiction shows. And then I imagine also some discussion from the scientists of which shows get it right, which shows maybe not so much. Um, and then 830 to 930, Holliston, Inside the Laugh Screams, Metal and Geekery with the cast. And uh, sounds like Dee Snyder might show up. And then this is moderated by Allison Hayslip, who I very much enjoy. Moving on to 25 ABC, we have from 11 till noon, Hasbro, Transformers Prime Beast Hunters, which is an animated series on the hub that I didn't know existed. Seriously, that is just a string of nouns. That's not a real series. <laughs> from 3 to 4, we have Murder Police, and uh, this is a new animated Fox series that is going to follow the dedicated but inept detective Manuel Sanchez and his co-workers in a Twisted City precinct. They will have a sneak peek of the show and then a Q&A, of course. The, this has, will have the creators as well as cast, including Chai McBride, Pito Atencio, uh, Justina Machado, and uh, Will Sasso. So that cast interests me. I'm sure that'll be a fun one to check out. Any thoughts on Murder Police? Uh, well, I believe it's Murder Police. Uh, other than that, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm apparently, Fox is doing a whole bunch of new animated stuff, which could be interesting. Yeah, we'll see. Sort of their response to Adult Swim, I suppose. Next up, did you know that there is a Pac-Man series coming? 5 to 6 p.m., Pac-Man, and this is the same room still, Pac-Man and the Ghostly Adventures, and the producers will be there. And This is a new animated series for Disney XD. Next up, The Heart She Holler, 6 to 7. So go from Pac-Man right into The Heart She Holler. And this is Patton Oswalt, Amy Sedaris, and others uh, will be at that uh, at that panel. Apparently, it's coming back for, for another season. Or maybe it's just a second panel about the first season. But I know I would check it out just for Pat Patton Oswalt and Amy Sedaris. Yeah, I assume they're doing more of it because I somehow forgot that show existed, even though it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. <laughs> and you've seen The Prisoner now. Yes, I have. <laughs> 7 to 8 p.m. podcast with that Chris Gore live, and he'll have some guests. Of course, that that's Chris Gore doing his podcast live, recording his podcast live. Sir, take it over. All right. Uh, same day, Room 28DE from 2 to 3 is uh, Cartoon Hangover, which includes Bravest Warriors, Be and Puppy Cat. Yes, <laughs> Be and Puppy Cat. Uh, seriously, look up that trailer. It looks amazing. Uh, and friends, uh, then, so that's cast and creators uh, for, of those series, uh, and that will be moderated by Eric Homan. They'll also be previewing a new series, Dr. Lollipop. Uh, so many confusing words in this one for <laughs> Room 32AB, uh, 67 p.m., Behind the Music with uh, CW3PR, Robert Duncan, uh, Chris Tilton of Fringe, FM Le Sieur, uh from Being Human, that's going to be moderated by Matt Lanter and Janina Givanker uh, of True Blood and Arrow. Uh, you went to this last year, yes? No, I tried to go to this. I went to – this is uh, 
they have a couple different composing ones, but uh, the, I went to one of the other composing ones last year. But I, you know, I think the obviously this is music for for many shows that where I enjoy the music, as well as uh, I mean, I very much enjoyed Janina Kavankar. I just heard her on um, Nerdist with with Asif Manvi, and she seems like she'd be a lot of fun at a panel like this. So maybe it's something to check out. Fair enough. Uh, seven to eight, same room, genuine fakes, making the artificial real. That is a uh, panel about artificial worlds. And in 6A, uh, earlier in the day, 1245 to 1.30, that's the Hanna-Barbera panel. Uh, it's a survey of cartoons, especially Space Ghost and Herculoids, presented by the Warner Archive Collection. Uh, 3 to 4, the Blacklist screening and panel with James Spader. And you've seen this one? Yes. So the, I guess uh, you won't be going to the panel. I will not be going to the panel, but uh, but the, the the pilot's pretty good. Yeah, it's definitely the best procedural pilot um, that I've seen so far from NBC this year. <laughs> That's uh, a ringing endorsement. Yeah, it really isn't. But but this was, this pilot was fun, I think, to show us potential. And certainly James Bader is very fun in his role. So I imagine they're, with, they're really selling the Spaderiness of this panel. Uh, it'll be about probably 45 minutes of pilot and then five minutes of transition and 10 minutes of questions. So mostly, you know, don't expect to spend a lot of time with the cast. But if you're interested in checking out the pilot, go for it. Fair enough. 4.15 to 5.15, The Walking Dead 10th Anniversary Panel. I'm assuming they're talking about the 10th anniversary of the comic and not the series, because that's not for another seven years, and I don't want to think about watching 10 seasons of The Walking Dead. Uh, the uh, creator, Robert Kirkman, will be there. There will be a Q&A. And 6.45 to 7.45 is Hannibal, Feed Your Fear. Uh, Brian Fuller, David Slade, Martha Delorentis, and Hugh Dancy will be there, and it sounds awesome. And I will be there if I can get in. We'll see. The room is not big enough, in my opinion. Uh, room 6, BCF, 10.30 in the morning. This is the uh, a celebration of the 35th anniversary of Battlestar Galactica. The, Richard Hatch, Hatch will be hosting it, and there will be people from the old series and the new series on that panel. 4.45 to 5.45, I Know That Voice, the documentary, a special preview and Q&A with the, some of the people cre- involved in, in that documentary. I believe it's John DiMaggio is the one who's put this together, but Billy West, Rob Paulson, Dee Bradley Baker, there's Tom Kenny, there's this ca- crazy levels of, uh, of voice cast awesomeness at this panel. Um, and if there's one thing that a panel can do to, to make sure that it is a entertaining panel, it's have voice actors there. Specifically these guys. Also, if they have Nathan Fillion there, it will be a good panel. Also, if they have Joss Whedon there, it'll be a good panel. Imagine if they put all of them on the same panel. It would be crazy. It would. It would. And the next up we have at 8.30 to 9.30 in, again, 6 BCF, Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, sing-along. Two more rooms for Thursday. We have room 6DE, 10.15 to 11.15 in the morning, Mad Screening and Q&A. Mad airs Mondays at 8.30 on Cartoon Network. This will have the producers there to talk about it. 12.45 to 1.45, Cartoon Network, Annoying Orange with the cast. And uh, they're going to premiere an episode and have a live musical note number. Toby Turner is going to be there, and he's apparently going to dance. That, I assume, means something to Annoying Orange fans. And now the last room, room 7AB, 2 to 3 p.m., Nick Remix. It's time to go behind the slime. This is going to be moderated by Chris Hardwick, who is pretty much the best moderator I saw at Comic-Con last year. There are some people who are shockingly bad at moderating who still are constantly asked back but Chris Hardwick is fantastic at it he's been hosting for forever so pretty much any panel that he is 
going to moderate will at least the questions will keep flowing really you know really well from the audience and and he will do a good job of of sort of transitioning away from awkward or frankly stupid questions and into more interesting topics that has a bunch of creative people from various uh, nick classics classic series so um from 8 to 9 p.m in the same room 7ab not guilty due to zombification Law and Forensic Psychiatry in a Zombie Apocalypse. And this panel will be another one of those more fun ones that uh, take a look at, you know, the realities of the legal and uh, psychiatric issues involved in a zombie apocalypse. This will have a panel of doctors and lawyers who will take a look at that topic. So that one will probably be a lot of fun to look at as well. There are also several other Thursday panels that aren't specifically TV related that sounded kind of cool that I figured I'd give a shout out to. It, in the morning in room 6A, there's Anatomy of Superhero Film Music, which will have James Mangold, Shane Black, several other very interesting people talking about how to compose for superhero movies. Hall H, Entertainment Weekly's The Visionaries, 2.30 to 3.30 with Mark Webb, Alfonso Coron, and Edgar Wright. I would probably check this out if just one of them were there, and this has all three. Let's see, 3 to 4, Room 70B, Animated Effects in Live Action, talking about how you, you know, sort of put the two together. In Indigo Ballroom, 3 to 4, The Sidekick, Premiere Screening and Q&A. This is a short film, and I would be interested in it just for Jordan Peele, but there's also Martin Starr, Lucy Kaplan, the cinematographer, the director. That one sounds like it could be a lot of fun. 7AB, Zombies and Pop Culture. This has Max Brooks and several other interesting people. This is 7 to 8 p.m., um, and then 7.30 to 8.30, Tournament of Nerds Live in room 26AB. I feel like this would be the perfect panel for, like, if someone, like, fused the two of us into one person, Simon, because you would have your debate history and my nerdery in just, you know, it's the perfect panel for a person who's a combination of our interests. That would be if I liked going to Comic-Con, yes. Yeah, well, see, that's where, you know, my love of Comic-Con would overpower your hatred of it because yeah. love beats hate. And then the, you're... <laughs> that I was a skeptical an, face just that was, that was skeptical face. But let, let's, let's let's take a look at this and say, were you to go to Comic-Con, how would you structure your Thursday? First of all, would you go to Preview Night at all? Or would you skip uh, it? And then what would you do on Thursday? I don't think I'd go to Preview Night just because the <laughs> honestly I would pr- probably only want to watch the Fox one. Um, as for Thursday, let's see. I'll check out Intelligence because uh, I like Josh Holloway. Uh, that's at ten. After that, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd probably leave for a bit at that point and then come back for uh, breakfast. <laughs> yeah, breakfast sounds good. Um. Then probably come back for either Sherlock or Cartoon Hangover. Okay. And uh, oh, I'm kind of curious about uh, Murder Police. To be honest, it sounds kind of kind of interesting. Uh, then Wilfred, uh, and then hmm, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. After after that, uh, not Dexter. Um, the Harchie Holler, I can't not do, because it's got a great cast. And uh, I think that about... Oh, Hannibal, yes. There's a bit of overlap there, isn't there? Damn it. Oh, well, you figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I have to decide what I'm doing that morning, because with, with the X-Files 20th anniversary, I would imagine, much like last year's Firefly 10-year anniversary, there were people in line 
overnight for that. So if you wanted to make sure you were going to get into the early morning panels, you had to be there several hours early, uh, earlier. So I don't know if I'm going to be inspired by Intelligence and Starcrossed to uh, get up at five in the morning so that I can be in line at six so that I can get into a panel at 10. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But if I, if, you know, if I could teleport there, didn't have to drive half an hour, didn't have to wait in line, definitely check out intelligence. Maybe check out star cross for the Amy T garden of it all. Um, then really, Amy T garden is Juliet has you intrigued. It has me more intrigued than, than the Battlestar Galactica 35th anniversary because, you know, I haven't seen the classic series. So, you know, looking at the looking at what we have going on at this time of the day, maybe I just sleep in, honestly. Then uh, Psych would be fun. It was fun last year. Uh, actually, I feel like the Hanna-Barbera or the Annoying Orange panels might be a lot of fun, too. Sherlock, sure. I'm a little not happy with Stephen Moffat right now. So <laughs> I don't know if I <laughs> care as much about that one as I would have last year. Um, then, you know, if I could, if I could go back and forth between the X-Files and the Wilfred panels, I would do that. So maybe go to the first half of X-Files and skip the screening part of Wilfred and then come in for the Q&A of Wilfred. I don't know. Um, uh, I, and I think between those two, I will probably end up choosing Wilfred. And, um, then let's see. Uh, I guess just go get in line for, for Hannibal because that one, I'm going to have to wait in line for a while for that one. And then after that, of course, at eight o'clock on Thursday is the Battleship Pretension, Warner Archive and Criterion cast joint meetup at Dublin Square Pub. Uh, I think that's on fourth, might be on fifth. I think it's on fourth. And that was a lot of fun hanging out with all those guys last year. So I'm ducking out, skipping the late, the later night panels and going to, meet people that I only know online and hang out with them, grab a beer. So socializing, what? Yeah. That's crazy. Let's move. Let's take a quick break, listen to some music and come back and talk Friday. Talk Friday. Take it away, sir. Ballroom 20. All right. At 10 to 11, that's inside the Big Bang Theory writer's room. Enough said. 11.15 to 12.15, Legend of Korra panel, uh, moderated by Brian Konetsko? Konetsko? Konetsko. Sorry. Um, 12.30 to 1.30 is Bones with the executive producers and, uh, of course, David Boreanaz as well, although apparently no Emily Deschanel, sad face. Uh, 145 to 3, uh, something called Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, some Josh Whedon guy is going to be there and some guests. Uh, doesn't mean anything to me. 315 to 4 is the following, which, yeah. Anyway, uh, good good pair up, guys. Um, from 4 to 5, uh, that's once again uh, Almost Human, another pilot and uh, Q&A. Uh, pilot screening Q&A for that with the stars and producers. 515 to 6, TV Guide fan favorites, uh, which includes Henry Ian Cusick, Giancarlo Esposito, uh, Denai Guerrera, Candace Acola, Kristen Bauer, Katie Cassidy, Tyler Hoechlin, Joseph Morgan, and Yvonne Strahovski, and others, apparently, just others, uh, <laughs> m- moderated by uh, TV Guide president slash editor-in-chief Deborah 
Diver Bur- uh, Birdbomb. And uh, closing off 6.15 to 17 is the Dark Horse panel. Uh, once again, with this Josh Whedon guy, doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, Hall H, 11.15 to 12, the Veronica Mars special video presentation and Q&A. The, pretty much the entire uh, principal cast will be there, along with Rob Thomas, to be moderated by Jeff Jensen. 135 to 230, uh, the regular Walking Dead panel, as opposed to the comic anniversary one from earlier, with, once again, pretty much the entire cast, as well as the creative team. It's going to be moderated by Chris Hardwick. I can't imagine anyone's going to be showing up for that one. Uh, and the other thing I don't think anyone's going to care about, 250 to 345, same room, Game of Thrones, uh, pretty much uh, a, a good chunk of the main cast uh, will be there, including Peter Dinklage, which makes it important. And uh, it's going to be moderated by Elvis Mitchell. Over in the Indigo Ballroom, from 10 until noon, we'll have Cartoon Network double panel. The first hour will be regular show. The second hour is Adventure Time, again, with the voice cast uh, of both shows. 1215 to 1, Venture Brothers with the with J- Jackson Public, Doc Hammer, and Patrick Warburton. 1 to 145, Children's Hospital. Again, much of the cast. 145 to 230, NTSF SDSUV with, again, much of the cast. 230 to 315, the Eric Andre Show and Hot Package are dual paneling. Then 315 to 4, we have Robot Chicken. Again, creative team and cast. And that's going to be moderated by Keith Crawford, the VP of Production for Adult Swim. 4 to 5, Bob's Burgers. Again, cast and, and creatives for that. And uh, 5 to 6, the Archer Screening and Q&A with cast and creative and, and creator and creatives. And, uh, I mean, those two are just going to be fun just for the H. John ben- Benjamin of it all. Also, but, also uh, worth yeah. noting, if you're looking to score some really good weed at Comic-Con, hang around the Indigo Ballroom on Saturday. <laughs> it does seem like that's probably the or place. Friday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, take it away, sir. All right, at uh, Lyceum 2 to 3, it's the showrunners documentary film panel. Showrunning, the hardest job in entertainment. Um, I'm not sure it's not catering, but whatever. A uh, bunch of people are going to be there, including Janice Benson, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it's going to be moderated by Delulo Bennett. Uh, sorry, Tara Delulo Bennett. And uh, Room 24 ABC, 3.30 to 4.30, The Long and Winding Trek. I assume that's a Star Trek-related thing. Uh, it's going to be moderated by Mark A. Altman with surprise guests because it's Star Trek and they have to do that. Does it stop being a surprise after a while? I don't know. Uh, Room 25 ABC, that's the Adult Swim panel for China, Illinois, with the executive producers and, and moderated by Jonah Ray. Hannel Barres will be there as well. That's from as, 5 to 6? That's Sorry, 5 to 6. 6 to 7 is uh, Brickleberry with the uh, with the cast and producers. Uh, there will also be an episode screening and a Q&A. In room 28DE from 5.30 to 6.30, an animated series called Bravo Man uh, with the uh, what I assume is the cast as well as a writer and artist. Room 32AB, we have from 3 to 4, the character of music, Bear McCreary and Jonathan Steinberg from Black Sails, Brian Reitzel and Brian Fuller from Hannibal and Dina Menigan, and Jeff Davis from Teen Wolf. That's going to be moderated by Anne Cesare and Chandler Poling. I would check that out just for Bear McCreary and, you know, or the, the Hannibal crew, but both of them on the same panel, that sounds awesome. Unfortunately, there are some bad conflicts on Friday, but we will get to that later. Room 4, 12 to 1 p.m., Grim Fairy Tales Animated, which is a new show, so they'll have a discussion of the pilot there. I imagine they will also screen the pilot. Um, and then that's Zenoscope Entertainment founders and producers will be there as long as, as well as um, director and producer Joe Schnepp. Room 5AB, 1.45 to 2.45 p.m., The X-Files with creator Chris Carter. And this is going to discuss uh, be a discussion of the show as well as its continuation in comics. Chris Carter will be there as well as others. 
4.45 to 5.45 p.m. Paranormal and Extraterrestrial Squad screening and Q&A, which this is a digital series. They'll, they will screen some new episodes. Um, producers and writer, director, actors will be there. Um, of course, the name that genre fans will be most familiar with probably is uh, My Love and Jamelia from Heroes, who is a producer on this one. 5.45 to 6.45, Science Channel, Outrageous Acts of Science. This is going to be a panel for Science Channel's new show, and this is totally science that they're talking about. Totally. That's not fantasy at all. 6.45 to 7.45 p.m., science fiction that will change your life. This is going to have a number of interesting people. The names that, that jump out to me, though, are Javier Grillo Marswatch and Jose Molina and Phil Platt. Um, as well as many other interesting people. I went to this panel last year and actually found out about a, a number of really interesting genre books and movies and TV shows and stuff that I hadn't necessarily heard of. So basically everybody on the panel goes down and talks about the, the three science fiction things from the past year or that they discovered over the past year that they most want to share with other people and most think other people should check out. So that one's a fun one. 8.45 to 9.45, Space Command, Bold Adventures in the Far Reaches of Space. I assume this is an animated series. Uh, it's an epic adventure series, apparently, spanning 150 years of galactic history. It doesn't sound like there will be an episode screening, but there will be you'll get a chance to get a sense of what the series will be. Um, and there will be swag at this one, specifically. And I like the way you've written this down, because it's just swag on its own as a sentence. Yeah. Which is probably the most hip-hop thing you've ever done. <laughs> and uh, take it away. Room 6A. Room 6A, 1030 to 1130. Hey, it says PM and means AM. Uh, defiance with uh, the cast and uh, it's gonna be moderated by Maureen, by Mo Ryan so maybe check that out because she rules 1145 to 1245 is Helix with Ron D. Moore moderated by Jeff Boucher 1 to 2 Phineas and Ferb with the cast and other folk um, 1215 to 315 Go Green with the Lean Mean Ninja Team uh, that is a panel for Nickelodeon's TMNT if you don't know what that stands for you're not cool enough you, <laughs> Uh, Sean Astin and Mae Whitman, among other people, will be there. So that's a thing. Moderated by Peter Hastings. 3.30 to 4.30 is going to be Sleepy Hollow with Kurtzman and Orsi. Their new show, yes. Yes. Which, yeah, I guess they're going to be screening it. Uh, Nicole Bahari will be there as well. Uh, 6 to 7 is going to be the Vikings panel with uh, Catherine Winnick, Jesslyn Gilsig, uh, other people. No Donald Logue, though, so I'm not sure what the point is. Uh, 7.15 to 8.15 is Banshee, which is actually one of the few shows left that I mean to check out and haven't yet. Uh, the executive producer and uh, writers and cast will be there. It's going to be moderated by John Rogers. Over in 6 BCF, from 11.30 to 12.30, it's the Nikita Farewell panel. They've only got four episodes left, uh, so sort of a mini-season cast and crew will be there. Uh, so if you're into Nikita, you should do that. 12.45 to 1.45, the 100 Pilot screening and Q&A if you missed the first one. Uh, 4.30 to 5.30, Falling Skies with the cast as well as some executive producers, but notably uh, no Steven Spielberg, moderated by Will Wheaton. I guess he's busy. Uh. <laughs> uh, 7 to 8 p.m., Adam and Jamie look toward the future with Adam Savage and Jamie Heineman. That's Mythbusters people talking about the show and their futures, apparently. Uh, why they're not talking about something broader, I'm not sure. Uh, 8.15 and 9.15 is uh, Worst Cartoons Ever. That's with animation historian Jerry Beck from CartoonResearch.com. And apparently this is a thing. Yeah, no, it's a it's a continuing thing at uh, Comic-Con. I don't know how long it's been going, but I had definitely heard rumblings of it for a few years before I went last year. Did not get a chance to check it out. 
But uh, I, I, if you are into B-movies or So Bad It's Good, apparently this is a hell of a lot of fun. So if you enjoy animation, if you enjoy, you know, maybe laughing along with the audience at the ridiculousness of this happened, this was a thing that happened, then check out Worst Cartoons Ever. Room 6DE, from 3 to 4, we have the Haven panel with the the cast and creators and producers and writers. 6.45 to 7.45, we have Animation Domination High Def, ADHD. I'm sure they're very proud of that acronym. They're going to be looking at Axe Cop and High School USA. Um, they're going to have a preview of those two series and uh, and just talk, I imagine, talk about the new the new animation block for these are going to be late night Saturday cartoons on Fox and eight to 9 PM. We have the Axe cop panel and I, I never get tired of saying this. The two creators of Axe cop, Ethan, Nicole, who is 32 and Malachi, Nicole, who is nine. And, uh, this was a way for those two, if for those of you who don't know, Axe cop happened because the elder sibling was looking for something to have in common with the young sibling. And so said, Hey, what should I make a comic about? Let's write it together. And that's that's how Axe Cop happened. Um, anyways, they're going to preview the, and premiere the new series, um, and including they're going to screen the pilot. So that should be And it says fun. surprise guests, so don't be surprised if Deborah Ann Wall shows up in an Axe Cop costume. That, you know, that, did ha- that happened last year. That was a thing. It was a thing that happened. Uh, yep. Room 7, because she's just awesome, by the way. I saw a panel with her last year. She's just awesome. Room 7AB, from 7 to 8 p.m., BBC America's Orphan Black. Tatiana Maslany, Jordan Gavaris, Dylan Bruce from the cast, as well as the creators, will be there for that. This should be in a bigger room. This is a mistake. But moving on. Room uh, 7AB as well, 8 to 9, immediately after that one, Husbands, The New Marriage, with Jane Espenson, Brad Bell, Alessandra Torresani, who we enjoyed debating um, when we did our Caprica DVD shelf, as well as more of the cast, uh, director Jeff Greenstreet, and upcoming guest star Amy Acker. Um, this is going to be moderated by Jeff Jensen. Um, Husbands is the web series by uh, uh, Jane Espenson, and I believe Brad Bell is the other creator. Um, they're on season two or three right now, I believe. That that wraps up Friday for us. The the last the other ones I wanted to mention that aren't quite as TV related but seem kind of cool. We have the World's End panel with Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, and Nick Frost. That's going to be Friday morning at 10 a.m. in Hall H. Um, 10 to 1130 in Room 5AB. The 2013 Black panel: Wayne Brady, Orlando Jones, and many other people discussing you know the kind of the state of maybe representation in in the genre world. And uh, just, you know, basically these interesting group of people talking about stuff. Um, That sounds like that could be fun, if only for the Brady and Jones of it all. 5.45 to 6.45 p.m., room 6 BCF, Making Roger Rabbit, the 25th anniversary. I'm excited about this one. You are not nearly excited about it. I don't even know that you would go to this one if you were there. Uh, Probably not. Oh, man. Movie's so good. Yeah. Yeah, not enough excitement. Um, Charles Fleischer will be there as well as uh, various members of the creative team for that one. 745 to 845 in room 8. Your opinion sucks. Rotten Tomato critics versus fans. Leonard Malton will be there. Ben Lyons, uh, other members of the Rotten Tomatoes editorial team, and other critics. That one will either be awesome or terrible, like just insufferable. I feel like there can't be much in between. Seriously, though, if there's no arm on white, it's pointless. That would be fun. That would de- I would I might have to like carve out time if if he was going to be there. Um, and then the final one I'll mention is um, actually a little earlier, seven to eight p.m. Room thirty-two AB. All shapes and sizes welcome. Body image and women's issues in entertainment, um, amongst others. That the 
Miracle Laurie from Dollhouse will be there. Adrian Curry as well. And that one's going to be moderated by Leah Savoli. And again, much like the, the black panel, um, discussing issues of, of racial representation um, in, in genre and media. This will be looking at women's issues and how everybody has to be tiny and skinny. And maybe it's not that healthy. I would imagine there'll be other more specific current uh, representation issues that they'll discuss as well. But uh, again, often these smaller panels are the ones that are the most, in they're definitely the most intimate. You get the best sense of the people that you're, that you're watching from them and they can certainly end up really surprising you like uh, this a uh, panel kind of like this is is where i uh got to see deborah ann wall speak and became a really big fan of hers from listening to her discuss you know her writing process and her 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 uh casting as, as uh, jessica and everything that's come with it so friday what's catching your eye oh uh, this is this actually is pretty easy for me i would just stick to the indigo uh, for regular show Adventure Time, Venture Brothers, Children's Hospital, NTSF, then hop over to Hall H for Game of Thrones, uh, then hop back to the Indigo uh, for Bob's Burgers and Archer, and then magically transport myself to Orphan Black, hopefully in time to actually get in, and then Axe Cop, because it's Axe Cop. So no no pause about S.H.I.E.L.D.? Nope. No, ah, interesting. Too much hysteria. Let's see it later. <laughs> well, I would imagine. I don't think they're going to screen the pilot at all. They don't need to, so they're they are not going to. Um, it would be fun to, to. I imagine they'll bring out the cast. That would be fun. But, but you know, the thing with with that one that has me most interested is just that Joss Whedon's panels are always good. They're always interesting. They're always very thoughtful, um, as opposed to just fun for the woo of it, <laughs> like some of the other panels can be. And um, so, so it is a disappointment to, to not be able to check that out without also seeing the following. And if you aren't sure how we feel about the following, check out our Spotlight of Shame from a while back. Uh, so I would probably also go to the Indigo Ballroom and just kind of hang out there. I might start over at Defiance, though, just for more Ryan, because, you know, we, we enjoy her very much over here in the Televerse. And um, and, and then, then head over for Venture Brothers after that. The, the there are there are many things that I would very much like to see that are kind of in the middle of the day. Character of music, I checked that out. That's the one I checked out last year and ended up leaving because it was too. Um, a lot of the questions were just too basic to for, for to be particularly interesting to me. Like, how do you record music music using found objects? That's really not interesting to me but if you don't know anything about found object music it would be fascinating so that one just was not great for me last year i don't know if i'll check it out this year but the showrunners documentary sounds really interesting um and then no matter what i will be i will be there for the orphan black <laughs> panel so i hell or high water. hopefully i won't have to be in line for more than an hour but we'll keep an eye on that like Ballroom 20 is not being used at that part of the evening why isn't it just in ballroom 20 i don't understand yeah, I don't know. They're they're if, if it's not like what's the capacity of the room Orphan Black is in? I'm not sure, but it's not one of the three largest rooms. It's yeah, not even the mistake. fourth largest room. It's in a small. It's they really are underestimating the the draw of Orphan Black. But um, let's let's move on though. To again take it, we're gonna take another break. Give you guys a break from our voices and come back uh, after a little music and talk Saturday. I feel fantastic. I never felt as good as how I do right now, right now. I feel fantastic, and I never felt as good as how I 
Okay, Saturday and Sunday at Comic-Con. We're going we're to lump these two together. Saturday, Ballroom 20, 10.15 to 11.15, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland Down the Rabbit Hole. This is the this is the spinoff uh, panel. So that'll have uh, the creators and cast. I would imagine they're doing a screening as well as a Q&A. That's immediately followed by the Once Upon a Time Off to Neverland panel, which is the Once Upon a Time panel. They'll have a sneak peek at next season and most of the cast. Next up, 12 to 12.45, Futurama with the voice cast and uh, co-executive producers and creators. Um, this They will have a cartoony showdown, a live performance of never-before-heard scenes from the episode Last episode ever. This is, of course, the farewell panel for the show, unless it gets picked up somewhere else again. The Futurama panel last year was awesome. I imagine this will be awesome as well. 12.45 to 1.30, The Simpsons uh, panel with Matt Groening, um, many of the various producers. They're going to show footage from the Guillermo del Toro episode that's coming up. Musical for guests will perform We Put the Spring in Springfield. The Simpsons panel was also really good last year. They Last year they showed the um, Longest Daycare short which was delightful. And I was actually surprised to see Ballroom 20 kind of empty somewhat for The Simpsons. So if you enjoy animation or, you know, it's it's a fun panel. You should check it out. Less fun was 145 to 230, the Family Guy panel last year. That'll have Seth Green, Alex Borstein, the executive producers, and some surprise guests. That's immediately followed by American Dad with much of the, the guest cast as well as their, and they will have a sneak peek, a world premiere of a song from their Christmas episode that's going to feature the return of Krampus. That is promising, in my opinion. We have 3.30 to 4.15 then, True Blood, with it looks like almost the entire cast, and that one's going to be moderated by Tim Stack of Entertainment Weekly. The True Blood panel, this is one of those woo girl panels, but it was actually a lot of fun, very entertaining last year. 4.30 to 5.15, we, ha- we have Vampire Diaries panel with, um, so it's interesting that they're, you know, putting these two back to back. Last year, they were notably in different rooms, so I guess they're trying to appease the vampire fans out there. This will have the main cast, as well as Julie Pleck and Carolyn Dries. They're going to have a screening and a Q&A. 5.15 to 6, Arrow, which will be, um, again, screening and Q&A. Well, it might not be a screen. It might just be some clips and things. But they're going to have the cast and the co-executive producers, creator types there for that as well. It's like, since when has Anna Camp been on True Blood? She was Anna Camp was on True Blood in season two as the uh, the wife of the the guy who kidnapped the werewolf baby. Uh huh. Yeah, his wife before he became a vampire and came out as gay. Okay. Just yeah, curious. she was like obsessed with, uh, of course, with, with Jason. Right. So yeah. it, the fact that she's going to be at the panel tells me she's coming back, and Anna Camp coming on the show can't hurt it, right? They they already have a, a huge cast that they're not using well, so it, she can't necessarily single-handedly save it, but that's a positive sign as far as I'm concerned. Fair enough. Uh, in Hall 8, 255 to 355, as aforementioned, EW's Women Who Kick Ass with Michelle Rodriguez, Tatiana Maslany. Deny Guerrera, so that sounds pretty much essential. Um, Indigo Ballroom earlier in the day. Noon, Him Yim with the cast and people. 
Uh, it's their first time, and it's also apparently their farewell panel because it'll be over, blessedly finally over after <laughs> next season. Holy crap, that's so, so overdue, but I've talked about that enough. After that, the originals, uh, 1 to 2 p.m., video presentation and Q&A. I assume they'll be presenting something, entire pilot, bits of pilot, who knows. Uh, 2 to 3 p.m., The Awesomes, a Hulu original series with a whole bunch of SNLers. It's a, sort of an Avengers slash Justice League stand-in group. Um, it's a it's apparently the first Hulu original series that is animated, so that might be interesting. 4 to 5 p.m., Being Human. I assume that's American Being Human. Yes. Uh, moderated by Aaron Sagers. Warehouse 13, 5 to 6 p.m., with Eddie McClintock, Joanne Kelly, Saul Rubinek. And others, uh, executive producer Jack Kenny will be there, moderated by Jeff Boucher. Love Saul Rubinek. 6 to 7 p.m., Cosmos, a space-time odyssey with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, so I'm just, I'm going to guess, based on the fact that he's there, that it's going to be just bedlam. Um, in uh, Lyceum. <laughs> he, he is awesome. He, he's Comic-Con royalty. He's, yeah. the geeks love, us geeks love us, some Neil deGrasse Tyson. And uh, over in Lyceum at 3 to 4 p.m., Pinky and the Brain 20th Anniversary Voice Reunion. With uh, yes! Rob Paulson and Maurice LaMarche, director Andrea Romano, I, I'm sure you're going to be there for that. I would love to be there for that. I, I haven't quite figured out what I'm doing on Saturday yet. Well, we'll see what I put together a little bit later. But, uh, no, I, I listened to – I've heard Rob Paulson and Maurice LaMarche on some podcasts together in sort of a anniversary Pinky in the Brain kind of stuff. And it's just – they're delightful. And I love Pinky in the Brain. Eventually, someone will pick Pinky in the Brain for the DVD shelf, and it'll just, I'll go to my happy place. But uh, I love Pinky. Do you do you have that affinity for Pinky in the Brain? I like Pinky in the Brain, uh, although most of my memories of it are of that one episode which relies – where their entire scheme relies on no one understanding how a microwave works. <laughs> I, I always think of Pinky and the Brain and Larry, which was a fun episode. There's so many good episodes. Anyways, moving on. Room 24 ABC from 1130 to 1230 p.m. Inside the Writer's Room, Earth's Mightiest TV Writers Assemble. And this panel sounds awesome. Javier Guillemarswatch, um, who else is jumping out? Jose Molina, Ashley Miller, Amy Berg. There's There's a lot of really cool writers a lot of the there's several middleman writers who are going to be there just different people uh writing for sort of actiony kind of superhero-y kind of shows that's going to be moderated by by chris parnell the the Z senior vp at sony not the other chris parnell um but i would really much i would very much like to be at this panel um, 3.30 to 4.30, Paul Dini, a spotlight on him. Um, of course, he is the creator of Batman the Animated Series. So that's the TV angle there. 7.30 to 8.30, creating models and props for your favorite movies and shows with um, prop masters from, you know, Battlestar, Defiance, Next Gen, many many other people. This is going to discuss how uh, the favorite your favorite ships and props are made, how the production schedule for television as compared to film affects how how props are conceived and designed, um, and different kinds of prop making. I think they're specifically going to, specifically going to talk about some like three D printing and stuff and how that's affecting the prop making process. But that seems like that could be fun. 25 ABC, 10 to 11 AM, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, which is going to have reps from Hasbro Studios and The Hub, um, the <laughs> details of the making of the series, and how both friendship and magic are brought to life. Q and A. That just sounds delightful. Well, I assume there's going to be a huge brony presence. Do you know what I'm referring to? Oh, yes. I know what you're referring to. I have a, a buddy from undergrad, or grad school, I should say, who's the biggest brony I know, and I always think of him whenever I see My Little Pony stuff. 
You, do you know multiple bronies? Uh, I believe I do know multiple bronies. Yes, I do indeed. Wow. One, one to two p.m. And yet I've never checked out the series. I know. I, I have failed you, Jack. I apologize if you're listening. One to two p.m. Live Forever, the Ray Bradbury Odyssey. Yes, please. We have Joe Montana, Malcolm McDowell, Edward James Olmos, uh, Clifton Collins, Michael Kelly. I mean, lots of really interesting people there. And it's a it's a panel about Ray Bradbury. Respect, right? You just gotta, Respect. gotta. Two to three p.m. Sid and Marty Croft: A Look at the Past, Present, and Future. Of course, these this, these are the people who made, uh, among many other shows, H and R Puffin stuff, and uh, they'll they're gonna have a surprise guest moderator and kind of take a look at their work over the years. Five to five forty-five. We have, and this is still Room Twenty-Five ABC, by the way. We have Adult Swim: Rick and Morty with executive producers and voice cast. This is about a sociopathic scientist who drags his unintelligent grandson on insanely ad- dangerous adventures across the universe it will be premiering this winter so that sounds fun 5:45 to 7 oh sorry do you want well you may want to mention dan Harmon. Dan, oh well yes dan Harmon is is one of the creators here and uh, i will be on the panel yes good point 5:45 to 7 we have aqua tv show show squid billy super jail king star king and mr pickles this is all one wait, panel wait, is that what aqua teen is called now the aqua tv show show i don't know <laughs> That's kind of amazing, if so. Yeah, trying to fit all of that onto one little square of our grid was very difficult. Um, yeah, there. Yeah. anyways, this is going to have uh, voice cast and creators from all these different shows and discussing each of these different shows. I don't really know what the format will be or if there'll just be one crazy long table at the top of the room, but anyways... That's 5.45 to 7. And 7 to 8, Science Channel, Unexplained Files. Scientists, eyewitnesses, producers present never-before-seen footage of unexplainable experiences. Yes, this is totally science. And they are going to have swag. Yes, swag. And forget what I said about scoring pot earlier, because, come on, Sid and Marty Croft followed by Aqua Teen? Yeah. Anyways, uh, let's move on to room 29A and take it away, sir. All right. 11 to 12, Avatar, The Last Airbender, Beginning and Beyond, cast, writers, etc. Moderated by Avatar underscore mom. All right. Uh, and there will be a cosplay contest at the end. That yeah, was that's... fun last year, actually. I was just about to say it sounds like a personal idea of a nightmare. <laughs> uh, 2 to 3 p.m., Lost, Podcast and Beyond with uh, Jay, Gladf- Jay and Jack Glatfelter. Uh, yeah, Lost Geekery, basically. Uh, room 6A is uh, 10 to 11 a.m. Bates Motel with the creators and cast. that includes Freddie Highmore and Vera Farmiga uh, and others. Nestor Carbonell, the face you'll never forget, uh, moderated by Tim Stack of EW. 3 to 4 p.m., same room. Cartoon Network New Comedies that includes Uncle Grandpa, Steven Universe, and Clarence. Um, it's going to be a bunch of creative directors and creators there for those. Over in room 6BCF, 10.30 to 11.30 a.m., Marvel TV Presents uh, with Jeff Loeb. That's going to include uh, Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man, Marvel's Avengers Assemble, and the world premiere of Marvel's Hulk and the Agents of Smash. I was sort of hoping it was going to be Hulk and the Beast or (laughs) Beauty and the Hulk or whatever. 1 to 2.30 p.m., Cartoon Voices 1, uh, moderated by Mark Evanier, with a whole bunch of voice actors. 2.30 to 3.50, the Grimm Season 3 panel plus trailer for Dracula. Um, I guess that's an episode they're doing. A no, there's episode? a Dracula series that is coming what? to NBC. Yes. Oh, all right. Well then. Uh, so David Gentoli, Russell Hornsby, other people will be there. Reggie Lee, uh, as well as the, the executive producers. 
4 to 4.45, Person of Interest Special Video Presentation and Q&A. Jonathan Nolan will be there. 4.50 to 5.50, The Revolution Special Video Presentation and Q&A with the stars and producers. 5.55 to 6.55, that's very specific. The Tomorrow People, uh, another pilot screening and Q&A for that one. And 7.15 7, to 8.15 is The Lost Girls Season 3 and Beyond uh, panel, which will have a sneak peek at Season 4. Over in room 6DE, 5.45 to 6.45 p.m., Batman the Animated Series turns 21. It will be a retrospective look at the series, which, of course, we both enjoyed very much when we talked about it on the DVD shelf. Of course, uh, Bruce Tim and Paul Dini, as well as others, will be there for that. 7 to 8 p.m., Strike Back with uh, the cast and crew, uh, creators, that is, of that one. They will have swag. That's moderated by TV Guide's Mike Schneider. I believe this one's... Last year, they gave out T-shirts. They're giving out posters or... I don't know. They're giving out swag. Um, 8.15 to 9.15 p.m., same room. Femme Fatale's revealed looks still kill as the hit TV series comes home. So this is, I believe it's a panel for the DVD release and the release of soundtrack albums, which are coming out now. This will have swag. I believe this one's giving out a giant poster for every person. And this will have cast and uh, the composer and creators and other creative types from Femme Fatales. Uh, room 7AB, earlier in the day, 11 a.m. to noon, Gravity Falls with the creators and the main voice cast, and uh, the also the creator of Wander Over Yonder. They'll show a clip from the finale, which we have just seen this week and talked about earlier in the show. The Q and there'll be a Q&A, and they're going to have a sneak peek of Wander Over Yonder, which I believe is a new show. 5.30 to 6.30 p.m., Spotlight on J. Michael Straczynski, you know, he did a few things in television, uh, changed the face of serialized storytelling in, in, in the medium, whatever. He's going to be in room 7AB. Then room 8, 2.30 to 3.30 p.m., Abrams, an Adventure Times encyclopedia panel with the Lord of Evil and Marceline the Vampire Queen. Kent Osborne, Martin Olson, Olivia Olson, with appearances by Hudson Abadir, um, a music video from the Nidosphere, and Olivia's going to be singing with surprise guests. They specifically mention that audience participation is encouraged, I believe, so that you don't go to hell. Something I'm, like I, that. I'm so proud that I understand every single word that appears in that blurb, and you understand so little. Yeah, I almost almost nothing. But I, I figured you wouldn't that you would enjoy this. Like maybe this would be like the one panel where you're like, it's worth it. Oh, definitely. Come on, sing-alongs. Hunts and Avedere is going to be there. I can't say no. <laughs> and then that takes us uh, to Sunday. All right, uh, in Hall H, this is a bit of more of a Spartan day. Ten to eleven is Supernatural with the cast and crew. 11.15 to 12.15, Breaking Bad with pretty much the entire cast, uh, moderated by Chris Hardwick. It's a farewell panel, sounds like a no-brainer. Uh, 12.30 to 1.30, Doctor Who 50th Anniversary with Matt Smith, uh, Mark Gaddis, other people. Stephen Moffat, your boy, will be there. I'm sure you're excited about that. 1.50 to 2.45, I was wondering when this was going to happen. Community celebrating the fans because they don't pat themselves on the back enough with the cast and executive producers, also moderated by Chris Hardwick. 3 to 350, uh, Always Sunny, with, uh, as you would expect, the entire principal cast, as well as the executive producers. There'll be a screening and Q&A for that one. And interesting pairing, 350 to, uh, to 440, is Sons of Anarchy, with, again, again the cast and crew. Uh, and moving on to Room 6A. Yes, in Room 6A, we have from 11.30 to 12.45 p.m., Cartoon Voices number 2. This is going to have uh, Bob Bergen, of course, Porky Pig, 
uh, among many other characters, Maurice LaMarge, Candy Milo, many other people. So it's basically the same panel as the previous day, but with a different group of, of voice actors. 1 to 2 p.m., SpongeCon 2013, the year of the fan. Tom Kenny will be there, but there's going to be a sing-along. They're going to have a sneak peek of the upcoming half-hour special. This is all SpongeBob all the time, at least all SpongeBob 1 to 2 p.m. 3.30 to 5, Starship Smackdown Redux 3D Ultimate Platinum Co Collector's Edition. This panel was a hell of a lot of fun last year. Again, similar to the Tournament of Nerds, it's, it's, there's a panel and people suggest various starships that should be uh, put up on the whiteboard and then they battle it out and see who would win. A lot of fun last year. Room 6, BCF, 11.45 to 12.45, Teen Titans Go! Screening and Q&A with Aunt creator Anne Horvath and the voice cast. 1 to 2, Beware the Batman! Screening and Q&A. This is the new, the new series, I believe. Um, that'll have the producers and others. 2.15 to 3.15, Under the Dome! Please Yee! tell me that doesn't have a big audience this year. With much of the, the cast and the, the uh, executive producers, Brian K. Vaughn, as well as Jack Bender and Neil Baer, 3.30 to 4.30, Buffy the Musical sing-along, Once More with Feeling, of course. And this is going to be a Rocky Horror-style screening. And uh, and I think they're going to have it playing in the background with the cast and, you know, the people standing in front and acting it out and singing along. And very interactive, something like that. Um, should be fun. Room 6 DE, 145 to 2.45, Cartoon Network, Ben 10 Omniverse. With, of course, again, they'll have a screening and Q&A. This will be the, the cast and some of the, the creatives involved, including the art director, supervising producer. 3 to 4 p.m., spotlight on Neil Gaiman. It's Neil Gaiman. Which I would only go to if I, if I could lob something at his wife. And someone, will, someone at home will understand that. Well, I understand that. Oh, well then. Good. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, room 7AB, 2 to 3 p.m., 25 years of the Disney afternoon, the continuing legacy. So we'll have creatives from Darkwing Duck, Chip and Dale, DuckTales, Tailspin, Kim Possible, Darkwing Duck, The Duck Returns. That, that one should be fun. Yes. Yes. There's a new Darkwing Duck series. Um, room 8, 12.30 to 1.30 p.m., spotlight on Charlotte Fullerton, who uh, is going to talk about her career in children's television, including My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, Green Lantern, the animated series, and, of course, she was involved in the Star Wars parody Troops, which, have you seen that one? No, I have not. One of the more famous Star Wars parodies. A lot of fun. And uh, that will have a Q&A. Other panels, uh, not as TV-related for Saturday and Sunday, that sound interesting. Um, Saturday 5 to 6 in Room 28 DE, Name That Movie, which will be, they're going to, when you come in, you have to put your name on a piece of paper and throw it in a, in a fishbowl or kind of a thing, and then they pull out names at random, and those people have to come forward and... They're shown very brief, very odd clips from movies, and you have to name that movie. That sounds like that could be a lot of fun. I don't know. Maybe terrifying, maybe a lot of fun. And then Sunday, 4 to 5 p.m., uh, Room 7AB, The Battle for Multicultural Heroes, uh, with, uh, again, an interesting panel talking about probably the ridiculous whiteness of everyone who is a, a superhero, really, in, uh, in our media. So talking about, some again, some of the more uh, interesting you know, maybe subtextual issues going on in sto in storytelling and uh, and specifically genre-related storytelling right now. So that is Saturday and Sunday for the con. Let's look at Saturday. There's not as much that interests me on Saturday, to be honest. I would probably do, uh, see, and, and even the ones that do, like Gravity Falls and Futurama happen at pretty much the same time. 
the uh, Adventure Time thing happens at the same time as Women Who Kick Ass, which I would definitely want to see. So, yeah, this is a frustrating day for me to even just look at. Um, I would probably want to check out the <laughs> Aqua Show, show, whatever the hell they're calling it now, uh, panel just for sheer kicks. Uh, and Strike Back, I'm actually kind of kind of interested in. Um, I wonder if the swag is just going to be tiny explosions, <laughs> uh, which is what, as I understand, the show is mostly known for. Um, yeah, this one is, is tough for me because the ones that most interest me earlier in the day are all at the same time. The Futurama and Simpsons panels were a lot of fun last year, but that's at the same time as that Inside the Writer's Room panel that sounds really cool, and also Gravity Falls, which sounds really cool. So I would like to go to all of those. I, the Ray Bradbury panel feels like a must-go-to for me. But then also Women Who Kick Ass is fun, and you're only getting into that one if you sit in line for hours because they, they have really big movie panels before and afterwards. So, you know, True Blood was a lot of fun last year, too. I don't know. It's it's tough. But the the must-goes for me right now look like Ray Bradbury, um, maybe Pinky and the Brain, maybe uh, Batman the Animated Series. And I think it would be a lot of fun to, to see the Cosmos one as well, panel as well. But yeah, the the ones I'm most interested kind of, you know, are, are all at the same time. And I also think I'm going to check out Strike Back. I was, I was interested in that last year. Um, and if the line looks too long, maybe I'll go over to Lost Girl instead. But yeah, that's what I'm looking at for, for Saturday. Sunday, it feels like just chill in Hall H, right? Pretty much, yeah. Then I'll take off before Sons of Anarchy and go over to Starship Smackdown, because that was a lot of fun. Or maybe Neil Gaiman. Sounds like a good time. Sounds good. So, any final thoughts? Any, you know, if you could pick three panels. Are there any panels, since I know you don't like Comic-Con and would never want to go, if you, are there any panels that make you actually want to be there for just that panel? What are your, like, overall standouts of the whole thing? Anything Adventure Time related, I think, would be a blast. Um, would probably feature some some pretty wild costumes as well. Um, the Women Who Kick Ass thing sounds great. Orphan Black sounds great. Uh, obviously, uh, Hannibal would be great to see. Mm, the rest I can pretty much live without. <laughs> well, I'll be writing up posts for each day at Comic-Con. Hopefully, they'll be getting out in a timely fashion to let you know what, I'm, what I've been seeing, what I... Uh, uh, thought of the various things and any news that comes out. If you are interested in coverage of this, follow me on Twitter. Twitter is the way to stay informed with what's going on at Comic-Con. So uh, I will let you know. We'll do a wrap-up of uh, Comic-Con in a couple weeks once once I get back and uh, and sort of break down what were the highlights and the lowlights of the con this year. A few show notes. Our intro and outro music is Sweet Petite by the Bicycles. We'll have a post up at soundonsite.org for this podcast, so you can leave us any comments there. Let us know what you are looking forward to for Comic-Con if you're going, or uh, if you wish you could go, What which panels you most... Uh, would like me to cover can't promise but i'll try um also we of course can be reached by email the televerse at gmail.com and uh, and also on twitter i am at the televerse you are at sucker howl also of course we have a facebook page you can like us there to follow the various things happening at sound on site tv what should our question of the week be well in the spirit of under the dome i was thinking we should ask what was the show that it according to your memory went the fastest from good to bad <laughs> yep. which dive bombed with the most with the greatest rapidity <laughs> let us know thank you everyone for listening we'll be back next week with another episode of the televerse
behind the music with CW3PR. That's Jeff Zanelli, uh, Lone Ranger. Oh, no, Robert, th- these are just credits. You don't need to read those. That was okay. just for our purview. 67 p.m. Behind the music with CW3PR. That's Jeff Zanelli, Robert Duck, and Castle. Uh, FM- oh, no, sorry. Castle's his show. Sorry. Oh, Jesus. That's very confusing. Behind the music with CW3PR. That's uh, Jeff Zanelli, Robert Duncan. Is FM this year his fucking name? I'm going to go Isler. Isler? FM Lussier. Yeah, there's also Isler. I Z L E R is before that. All right, let's just, okay. Just keep going. Just go pick up from Robert Duncan. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the one who has to edit this. (laughs) (laughs) Outtake! Robert Duncan? FM Lucier, Chris, Chris Tilted Fringe. You skipped Isler. What? No, no, it's FM Lucier. No, before then. What? Before then. Robert Duncan for Castle. Oh, Isler is just the name? Yeah. Lowercase I C L E R. Isler and there's Lucier, which is. There's Isler for Revenge. Start over. I didn't pick the names. I got it. Okay. I got it. Room 32AB, behind the music, 6 to 7 p.m. with CW3PR. That includes Jeff Zanelli, Robert Duncan, Isler, FM Lucier, Chris Tilton, 